On this week's episode of Moose and Friends, the D-backs try and play spoiler in the month of September while also continuing the most obvious tank job since the invention of the Tiger II tank in Germany. G bounces back from what can only be described as cataclysmic when talking about his week two performance betting the board. We both saw the board clearly this week and are both up units at the end of the college football and NFL weekend. We recap week two of the college football season and look ahead to a loaded week three slate as well. Also, we have on Cheesehead an Aaron Rodgers certified lover boy, Jackson J-Baby Sakizi. He's going to talk all things Packer football as they take on the lowly, dumpster-dwelling, pathetic-looking sad boys that are the Chernobyl Lions this Monday night. Let's get after it. If I made a milli, then my mommy made a milli. Clearly on my next step, took me four hours. Why you can be my guest? Hard to catch sunshine waiting by my desk. Yeah. You want fun times, I need nothing less. I don't want to wait too long, do I have to? A lot of racing thoughts in my head. Mess around and played your part, so you better one shot like I never Garrett, hell of a weekend. You finally were able to put behind that week two slate that you went 0-7 on. You started finally. 0 You started 0-1 this week. You were staring 0-9 in the face. But you know what, Garrett? A normal man would have folded under these conditions, but not you. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, yeah. And I won't lie. I was actually looking into uh, relocating out of the country so that the bookie wouldn't be able to find me. You basically um, was thinking without folding exactly yeah i was like you know i got my passport ready i was like i wonder how much it would be to stay in baja for like i don't know three months uh-huh um, knowing aaron knowing our uh, lock one in uh, bookie i probably would have had to come up with some egregious lie about where you were i mean a fake funeral is definitely not off the table that's just a fact. oh yeah which would be insane considering how small our units are for us uh-huh. to fake a fake a i almost said fake a funeral, fake a funeral. Uh, to get out of what amounts to basically like less than five hundred dollars. Uh huh. And then when I'm carrying the casket and it tips over, it's one of the skeletons from uh, Spirit, the Halloween store fallout. And I'm uh-huh. like, oh, you said the no. shocked Pikachu face. Uh huh. And I, I I still try to play it out. I go, I, he must have decayed that quick. How is that possible? It's I a human to- body does some amazing things. Uh-huh. Right, everyone, let's go to IHOP. And then I put my hand on Aaron, on the back of Aaron's uh, jacket. And I go, you know what, buddy? You know, crazier things have happened. He goes, no, they haven't. I go, well, you're seeing it right now, friend. You want some you're pancakes? Seeing, you're seeing God work miracles in front mm-hmm. of you. He didn't want you to see his decaying flesh. So he just uh-huh. gave you bones. Uh-huh. And I'm sorry about that $500. I don't know where his money's at. He didn't leave it in his will. I'm it's sorry. In a secret, it's in a secret Bitcoin account that has... Uh-huh. Uh, triple encrypted passwords uh-huh he bought a shit ton of dogecoin i just don't know what to tell you man mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> but anyways before we get into the college football slate then honestly i had a lot of fun watching this weekend it was a great um, weekend yes coaching over at south point football usually saturday we reserve that for film and a little bit of a workout for the players you know watching film as coaches then watching it with players and then trying to game plan for the next week uh, it can be a tiresome Saturday that can run to noon, one o'clock, and you kind of miss that first slate of games. But fortunately for me, we do have a bye week, or we did have a bye week this week. Coming up, we do play Cienega. That will be Thursday. So when the pod drops, 
right around that hour. Go to YouTube. You can watch us play. Just type in South Point against Sienega. We will be on YouTube. Just a shout out really quick. But I got to watch the whole Saturday slate. You know, we had a little practice 7 a.m. But other than that, man, I was up and at him watching Rutgers play uh, <laughs> Illinois or Syracuse in that just d- disgusting stadium that they have. It looks like NAU stadium, not that NAU is bad, or should I say Flagstaff stadium? Just way too, it's yeah. lit up way too much. And you can tell when there's like 12 fans in there. You can hear I like, think there is, I think NAU stadium is bad because it looks like um, whenever, whenever a t- like you see footage of an NAU game, it looks just like it was filmed at a, I don't know, like a $50 football camp that just happened to be in an indoor stadium. The, the lights are too bright. And, it, and it, 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 the lights are way too bright. It seems blinding. And then you could totally tell that there's only like 200 people there. And you mm-hmm. can hear the buzzing of the lights because they, they jacked that bitch up to 100%. That is hilarious. The, buzzing, the, uh, power, the, po- uh, the power box outside is about to blow. So I don't know, man. But before we get into college football, the Diamondbacks did play games this week. They play games every week until the end of September. Obviously, for a lot of people, they totally forget that they're still playing because, you know, when you are on pace for 110 wins, who really gives a damn anymore? Um, I will say this. The wild card races in both the American League and the National League are absolutely bonkers right now. AL, you got the Yankees-Red Sox tied. Red Sox having the tiebreaker. They're going at it. That's a great rivalry. And they're playing for a wild card spot. Sign me up. And then the NL, the Cardinals jump the Reds and Garrett's San Diego Padres, who are an absolute dumpster fire right now. Can't get any free fall. Absolute free fall. It's one of the, it it reminds me of the Mets free fall in the early 2000s. It's a tough watch right now, but (laughs) a lot of baseball left. We'll see what happens. But as for the Diamondbacks, I remember. On our last podcast, I said, you know what? The D-backs are favorites on Wednesday night because me and Garrett tried to record Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. Pod gets out Thursday. Thank God it got out Thursday because I was like, you know what? The Diamondbacks are favorites on Wednesday night. They play the Rangers, or should I say Wednesday afternoon? It was a 1240 game, and they were favorites. I don't know how many times they've been favorites this year. They were 150 favorites, not like a minus 110. They were a legit favorite in this game, and they were playing the Rangers, who are a bottom feeder in the, in the American League as well. D-backs are a little bit worse, but Rangers have to travel to Arizona. They're playing in our home ballpark, which 95% of the time does not feel like our home ballpark because mm-hmm. when the Dodgers come to town or the Padres come to town or really anybody in the American League, it's 80-20, the other team's fans taking over our, our stadium. Oh, yeah. That's, but it, the, that's it, the Dodgers' second field. Yeah, and it's a Cubs second field. I've been to a Cubs game where it's sold out, and they're like, there's 40,000 fans here. Aren't we the best team ever? I'm like, yeah, but it's 35% or 35,000 Cubs fans. So This is Cole. Cole yeah. and his, and his, his, yeah, uh, yeah, his appropriately fake, named Cubs son, fans. Brian. Yeah, because yeah, most Cubs fans are fake, but still, it's just a tough scene. But knowing the Rangers was not a packed house. Luke Weaver was on a bump, had a really good start, first start out of – uh, getting off the IL, he looked really good. Six innings, no earned. So I figured, hey, you know what? He's going against some jackass in Texas that I've never heard of. Maybe he's got a chance. He goes five innings pitch, three earned. He only gave up six base runners. So how did he give up three earned? It wasn't via the home run ball. All six base runners came in the fourth inning. So they tagged Aww. him up pretty good. Yep, they tagged him up pretty good. D-backs fall to the Rangers, get swept in the two-game series, believe it or not. And, you know, I knew Weaver was going to have some regression, 
but I wasn't sure it was going to come this quick or in that form. And honestly, you'll kind of take a game like that. He was pretty good for four innings. And in the sixth, he bounced back for a one, two, or in the fifth, I should say, he bounced back for a one, two, three inning, but he gave up all his base runners in the fourth tagged for three. The bullpen was tagged for five. They lose eight, five, just overall, not a great game. Um, Taylor Widener, former starting pitcher who was a bright spot for the Diamondbacks early on. He got shelled, uh, only got one out, gave up three earned. And uh, in other news, Nick Ahmed went deep. Fifth of the year, Nick Ahmed. So every time he goes deep, uh, go buy lottery tickets. Um, go go do what you got to do because, you know, something's off with the access of the world when uh, Nick Ahmed. Oh, yeah. Every, every time Nick Ahmed goes deep, this podcast has agreed to supply uh, – Free Doritos, Locos, Tacos at every Taco Bell uh, in participating locations in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine this. Imagine if you're Nick Ahmed and they thought so little of you every time you came up to bat. They're like, hey, if he hits a home run here, we'll give everybody like free $100 worth of scratch. I was going to say, we'll give uh -huh. everybody $3 million. Oh, uh -huh. so you know that truck in right field? It's yours. Everybody. We'll just, we'll just keep pumping them out until everyone's got one because Nick Ahmed cannot go deep. But hey, it's a free penthouse in the stadium to live in. Trust me, when I saw that ball leave the ballpark, my eyes were you know as wide as can be. So good for Nick Ahmed. That was really the only bright spot of that game was Nick Ahmed, who is still under contract with the Diamondbacks for a couple of years and went deep. So kudos, I guess. Uh, the next game, D-backs had off day on Thursday. Then they headed to Seattle for a three-game set. And this is what I was talking about was playing spoiler. Seattle's right in the thick of things in the AL wildcard race. It's really them. Oakland, Boston, and New York. Boston and New York have an edge on the other two. But, I mean, these are games you got to win if you're the Mariners. It's the same thing with the, uh, the A's. They lost to the Rangers a couple times last week, and they lost to the Tigers a couple times last week with blown saves and, uh, you know, missed opportunities late in ball games. And when you play teams that are as bad as the Diamondbacks, you have to win those games, especially in your home ballpark. And the, and the Mariners started off on the right foot with a 4-5 win on Friday, Mad Bum goes six innings pitched, eight hits, five earned. Honestly, wasn't great. But if that's going to be a quote unquote bad start for your ace that you're going to pay upwards of 25 million for the next four years, I'm going to say it's okay. But what's even he, really what happened was he gave up two homers to Tom Murphy, one in the third, one in the fifth, or one in the sixth. Sorry, and that's gonna that's gonna do you in because that's three runs right there, two run shot and a solo shot. But like I said, if that's going to be a Madison Bumgarner bad start. I'm going to take that every day of the week. I'm not six innings, five earned keeps you in ball games. Two, two and a third inning pitch, seven earned run does not keep you in, in any ball game. No. You're out by the third. But five six runs, innings, five earned is pretty, pretty bad still, though. It's still pretty bad, but that's what I'm saying. As a bad start, let's say you tag the other starting pitcher for two, three runs. Well, it's a five two ball game, five three ball game. You're blooping a blast away from tying this ball game, or you're yeah, you know, I see what you're extra base hit and a home run. Yeah, exactly. But if you give up seven runs in two and a thirds, and the pitcher's only given up one run in two innings, well, you're down six. You got to scratch and claw for the rest of the game. It's just not not easy sledding. But what I will say is Friday was an absolute monumental day for the Diamondbacks fans everywhere in the Diamondbacks organization as Seth Beer, the last piece of the Zach Greinke trade, finally got his call up to the show. We've seen J.B. Busakis, who's married to Sidney Springer. Shout out, Sidney. We've seen Corbin Martin, who was supposed to be the ace. Both those guys have really struggled, but those were the two big pieces that came over in the Zach Greinke trade. 
We've seen Josh Rojas. He was the first one called up, a utility player that had good AAA numbers that was almost like a throw-in. Rojas has been amazing, borderline all-star. And when I say borderline all-star, it's because every team has to have a representative. You put mm-hmm. him anywhere else, you wouldn't. So he's borderline the best Rojas. player. <laughs> he's borderline the best player on a 110-loss team. Um, actually, I would say he might be the best player now that we traded Eduardo Escobar. So Josh Rojas, the best of the worst, is basically what I'm getting at. And then the last one being Seth Beer. Seth Beer, the first baseman who flirted with a top 100, uh, being in the top 100 in the MLB pipeline. A first mm-hmm. baseman that's tall, stout, played three years at Clemson. Last year at Clemson was a beast, hit 22 homers, uh, had a 90, oh, sorry, had an OPS over 1,000. It was 1.137 at his years in Clemson. And he hit the ground running when he got to the Astros uh, just last year or two years ago, sorry, when he split time with Houston and then got traded to Arizona. Uh, he hit 26 homers with 103 RBIs between Corpus Christi and the Jackson Generals. He's a 901 minor league OPS. So he hits for power, hits for contact, gets on base. He's one of those guys that you're happy to see that he did things when he was with Houston and Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi and not just in Jacksonville where it's kind of a, you know, a launch pad for home runs. So beer gets called up finally, not like Christian Walker was really, really doing a good job holding down that spot first base. Uh, I guess sooner rather than later, uh, beer pitch hit pinch hits and hits a home run in Friday's ball game. What a way to start a career. Reminds me of DD Gregorius when he hit a home run. DD Gregorius. I will say this, though. Does this mean that we're just going to trade beer in like a year or two? Uh, probably. Let's be honest. And Almost keep Christian definitely. Martin, like, he'll figure it out, right? I know he only mm-hmm. hit for like 190 in 2021, but he'll figure it out. But he's I'm young. Sure. He's only 34. He's, got <laughs> he's still right there, dude. He's got a lot of time to figure out. What is he, 35? He's got three kids and two wives already, and he already blatantly said that he's going to retire next year. But let's keep him around. I'm sure that's what's going to happen. Lavula, Lavula saying, you know, modern man's prime is 42. Uh-huh, and he goes. This guy's goes, got a lot of good baseball left. Uh-huh, back in the day, back in the Stone Age, man only lived to be like 32 years old. Look at our technology now. Christian Walker can play till what? He's 50, and as as you, they look over at Christian Walker's bags are packed. He's a bag of bones. Uh-huh, <laughs> he already disintegrated in the dust. Um, but seriously, <laughs> I, I, you know, we'll take it. As a great moment for the Diamondbacks right now, Seth Beer's call up. Um, will he get traded? I mean, probably because everybody gets traded. But hey, maybe we'll hold on and see what happens. So D-backs uh, lose that game, but honestly, they battled four four five loss. Um, Mariners had to bring in their closer to get a save in a one run game. Naturally, he struck out the side because uh, you know effort. I'm not saying mm-hmm. effort wasn't there, but uh, yeah, just a tough look. But I will say this. They bounced back at the 7-3 win on Saturday. Humberto Castellanos. We've talked about him before. A little bit of a nobody. Came over from Houston. Um, minor league ERA around 4.41. Right now he's rocking a 3.90 ERA in the majors. So he's got a better major league track record than he does minor league track record. Minor league ERA of 4.21. So he's kind of saying he's pitching out of his ass because he's not just only pitching – better than he did in the minors, but he's also got a 4.79 FIP. For those sitting at home, FIP is basically kind of adjusted ERA. They're kind of saying, well, this is what he's really pitching towards. So they're saying that his ERA is better than what he's really pitching as, which would make sense. Um, 
but the bullpen lights out three and two thirds scoreless innings. If I'm Tori Lovello, if I'm the owner, Ken Kendrick, I'm taking that stat sheet. I'm taking the box score. I'm printing it out. I'm cutting out the part where the bullpen went 3.2 scoreless innings pitched where Joe Mantiply struck out three, three hitters, three of his four hitters that he faced. And I'm hanging it up in the Smithsonian. Like, D-backs don't pitch scoreless innings, especially the bullpen. And Joe Mantiply being one of them, like, that just that just yeah. doesn't In Seattle against a wildcard-capable team, and you throw three and two-thirds scoreless, hang it up in the Smithsonian, hang it up in the locker room, don't stop talking about it. Um, if I'm Tori Lovello, if I lose every game the rest of the way, I continue to bring up, hey, remember when the bullpen went three and two-thirds, you know, scoreless? Remember that? They go, hey, you guys lost 27 to zero today. My first response to that would be, hey, remember back uh, when we played Seattle on that Saturday and our bullpen went three and two thirds scoreless? And they go, sir, you didn't answer the question. These boys play for me. Uh huh. And I they go, love three me and two thirds. Imagine that. And then I lean back in my chair with a grin as wide as can be and I just start giggling. And go, three and <laughs> start two-thirds? tenting your fingers. Yeah, it's fine. It's crazy. Three and two thirds. And then I just pretend I can't hear anything else. And I just stare, I, I stare into oblivion. With a smile <laughs> under my breath, you just hear three and two thirds, three and two thirds, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, not only that, but Smith, Paven Smith, Colton Varsho, and Seth Beer account for six of the seven runs scored in that game. You know, youth movement in full effect, bullpen was good. Trust the process, yeah, it's working, it's working. Then we come back on Sunday, believe it or not, and we get another win. 5-4 win. We take the series from Seattle. Like I said, you're in the thick of a wild card race. You cannot be losing to the fucking the Diamondbacks. It is an absolute embarrassment. And I mean that in the nicest, meanest way possible. I know that doesn't make any sense. I mean it in the nicest way possible to the D-backs and the meanest way possible to the Mariners. Diamondbacks, you suck. Mariners, holy shit, man. I mean, they went against Tyler Gilbert. On Sunday, five and a third innings pitched, two earned, two Ks. He's given up five earned in his last 12 and a third innings pitch. Real nice bounce back since he um, threw that no hitter and struggled for a couple starts there. Um, again, all the RBIs came from youngsters, Seth Beer, Cattell Marte, Josh Van Meter, and of course, Henry Ramos. If the name sounds familiar, he may be wanted for assault in his um, home run trot during the Reno Aces Tacoma Rainers game when he got to third base. I don't know how else to describe this Garrett. He went full uh, psychopath mode threw his helmet at the shortstop and then threw a mean left hook did not connect, but uh, he was out for blood and the D backs decided, you know what? That's the kind of guy we need in this dugout. So his ass gets a call up. He's been pretty good so far. He's an enforcer. Yeah. I don't, yeah. He's an enforcer. We took the hockey term and threw it into baseball. Now I don't know how much longer Ramos is going to be on the team. I don't know when his court date is. I don't know. Yeah, uh, we should arm him with a switchblade and brass knuckle. Uh-huh. And I think he needs to go up there in like full armor too. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to really lean into this bad boy, uh, this bad boy look. Um, uh-huh. What do you have to lose? You know, um, I want him to like uh, crowd the plate because people have seen what he's done. He's throwing it. He, he gives no fucks. Crowd the plate and be like, I dare you to hit me. They will not hit you. They'll throw four wide ones because they know if they hit you, they might die. He should pack a, a gat too. You know what he should do? Here's a perfect idea. Here's a perfect idea. He should go up to bat and he should put a gat in his, uh, you know, in, in his, in his, in his pants, you know, it's showing and he gets up, they call his name. He taps the plate twice, you know, gets ready to bat and he looks down and he goes, Oh shit, I'll be right back. And he puts his gat, he, he takes the gat out. The glick. Gives it to his un- coach. Yeah. Or gives it to his coach, walks up and then looks at the catcher and goes, 
I forgot I had that one still. At least I have the other. So now the catcher and the pitcher are like, holy shit, he's still packing heat? That's Trust his lockup song. I think it'd be like a Nipsey Hustle song. Uh-huh, yeah, or a, a 50 Cent, uh, two, Many Men. Many, 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 many. Yeah, <laughs> you get it. So, hey, D-back sweep. We have a fucking madman up for the Dimebacks and Hector uh, and Henry Ramos. Seth Beer's looking good. You know what? But all good things come to an end. We he- head to Chavez Ravine. We play a, a three-game set against the Dodgers. We're two or three in. We've lost both in convincing fashion. Uh, the first one, Zach Gallen, got absolutely shelled. He's not having a good year this year. I'll just tell you what. He's not having a good year this year. He's got a 94 ERA plus. ERA plus is set at 100 is average. Anything above means you're doing better than average. Anything below means you're doing worse than average. He's at 94. They put into effect ballpark factors. Chase Field is a hitter-friendly park. So you can have a higher ERA at Chase Field than, let's say, uh, where the Giants play. And they're going to give you a little bit more benefit of the doubt because it's a little bit more of a hitter's park rather than a pitcher's park. But so 94 ERA is taking all that into account, ERA+. plus. He's got a 4.44 ERA on the year, 4.19 FIP. So he's pitching a little bit. His numbers indicate he's getting screwed a little bit, but not too much. I kind of looked. I was like, hey, is this a Dodgers thing? No, he's got a 3.12 ERA against the Dodgers. And if Gallon's going to be our ace and we want any hope of ever being good again, which seems bleak as all hell at this point, mm-hmm. you need to be good against the good teams. So 3.12 ERA versus the Dodgers, you know, that's good. Not a cause for concern. The cause for concern when I was looking at the advanced metrics was the 8.2 hits per nine. The locks are up barely. Home runs are up barely. But 8.2 hits per nine, way up for him. He's got to bring that down. As far as hitting, Marte had the only extra base hit. Rojas had two singles, so get him a um, get him a lollipop, I guess, because mm. I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. And then last night, Weaver hit hard again. Four innings, three earned, four Ks. The game was done before you know it. And Tori Lavello's boy, Brett DeGoss, came out of the bullpen, two earned runs again because he's terrible. I looked at his stats. Uh, Garrett, hitters are hitting 301 off of him. Basically, you're a borderline all-star when you come up and hit against Brett DeGoss. Uh, he got mm. released by the Rangers, and we decided to pick him up. Um, you can't tell me that there's not a 20-something-year-old you know, twirling his thumbs down in AAA or AA that can hit, take this dude's spot. Like, Brett DeGoss should not be in the major leagues. I'm just going to end it at that. That's our Diamondbacks talk. Um, looking back at seeing who were the key players this week, I would say Henry Ramos, OPS of 768. Been a good guy so far for us. Keep running him out there. He might kill somebody, but you know what? What do we have to lose? I hope the he does. Show. Yeah, it's so press. do I. Good any, any press is good any press. press is good press at this point. Don Farshow, 770 OPS. He's really lit it up since kind of becoming an everyday player. I think he's going to be a catcher, corner outfielder for the future. And then Seth Beer, obviously, 1.300 OPS. Now, unfortunately for Seth Beer, I forgot to bring this up as we were talking. Seth Beer suffered a dislocated shoulder last night because all things are mm-hmm. too good when it comes to the Diamondbacks. Beer was diagnosed with a dislocated left shoulder after losing, leaving Tuesday's game against the Dodgers. He was four for 10 with a home run, a double, and three RBIs and four runs, which is equivalent to like being Paul Goldschmidt at this rate with the Diamondbacks before mm-hmm. he got hurt. Dislocated shoulder might bring an early end to his first taste of the big leagues. The 24-year-old status should be updated within the next couple of days, but he's likely to require a trip to the IL. Shit sucks, but honestly... The tank is in effect. The Orioles are at 46 wins. The Diamondbacks are at 47 wins. Pirates at 53. So it's a two-dog race. 
This What's is a two-dog race right now. D-backs are absolute cheeks. They play tonight. They are plus 350 on the money line. Mineral Kelly versus Julio Urias. So basically, if you put like 50 bucks on the Dodgers, you're getting back like the worth of a McDouble. Uh-huh. Um, and then they go and play the Astros in Houston where they'll see Luis Garcia and those boys over there. So I'm sure they'll get swept in that. When we get come back, they'll also play three against the Braves, who are trying to fend off the Philadelphia Phillies, or four, sorry, against the Phillies before the Dodgers come into town. There's a good chance the Dimex don't win another game uh, until two pods from now. And I know how fucking asinine that sounds to say a team that plays almost every day is just going to lose out. But I don't know, the two and eight in their last 10, they're approaching 100 losses. Astros are a playoff team. Braves are a playoff team. Dodgers are the playoff team. Then they play the Giants, Garrett. That's a playoff team. And then we're back here on the podcast before they play the Rockies for the last three games of the season. Could they possibly, hear me out, could they possibly end the season on a 3, 6, 10, 13, 16, a 19-game losing streak? Is that possible? Would you put that past them? Yes. No, I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't put it past them either. You are an absolute fool. To me, it's uh, a matter of pride for them, too. They're like, oh, the Orioles think they're going to show us up. We'll uh-huh. show you, you, you think we'll you're going to lose more games than us? Luck. We'll lose 19. Uh-huh. You, you are a bubbling fool if you think the D-backs couldn't lose 19 in a row. And I like when they ask Corey Lavella, they're like, you know you're approaching the loss record for the Dimebacks. I think they lost 111 in 2004. He's like, I don't give a damn about uh, that record. Well, you're about to, pal, because people are going to talk about you for a while. Mm. But, you know, enough of D-backs talk. Holy hell, it's just – it gets – Make it, it gets I I get a hot head when we're talking about the Dimebacks. They they rile me up. Cause why do they rile me up, Garrett? Because the Giants just clinched a playoff berth, may win the West. They're guaranteed at least a home game. The Dodgers take over when the NFL. Dandy of a race. You have the cards right now fitted for that second wild card spot. They're on a four-game winning streak. The second wildcard spot might go to a team that wins 82 games. Before we thought the Padres were going to win 100 and another team was going to win around 90, but that might not be the case here. Padres have lost five in a row. Um, the Reds have lost three in a row. And we, we have boots on the ground in San Diego. Garrett, what's the feel like around the city that the Padres are absolutely collapsing in front of everybody's eyes? Um, okay, so attitude around here is at, a, at an all-time low since I've been here. So, so I got here in June um, when I think it was at an all-time high. So like mm-hmm. everywhere you went, Padres are playing, every TV's on. You can't get another game on. They're like, I don't care that preseason football's on watching the Padres. And even yesterday, like there was stuff to watch, and they're like, mm, seven TVs on the Padres. Thank you. Obviously, Padres lose last night. Um, it's been, I'd say it's been rough on the local population. Because um, mm-hmm. even just so when I got here, it was pretty much Padres, like you know, maybe Giants take it away from us, but Padres are the the team in the West. Then maybe month in, they're like, okay, you know, Giants, uh, Giants, Dodgers. What are you gonna do? We're still really good. We're three games back. And then it became, well, maybe we'll get the second wild card spot. And now it's become, maybe we'll win a few more games. Uh-huh. Now it's become, uh, I wish the Chargers were still here. But I'll tell you what, the Padres mm-hmm. continue this landslide. The local economy might suffer because it's going to come to a standstill. Oh, it's bad. This guy came into our uh, my bar yesterday. 
Um, place is packed. This guy comes in alone, finds this little corner, and just look at him staring at the TV. He's holding. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm dying laughing at this, just thinking about it. So he's holding a sandwich. And you just see someone give up a hit on the Padres. I wasn't really paying attention to the game. He just drops his sandwich, puts his drink down, and just like hangs his head for about 20 seconds. That's what I'm saying. It's going to turn into a Mad Max situation. Everybody's going to have to fend for themselves. It's just sad, man. It's sad to watch. Uh, a lot of many, money uh, pumped into that Padres organization to uh, make a winning team now with uh, the young guns of, you know, and, uh, you, Chris well, you Patterson. are on that team. It's a whole different story. Yeah, but they decided to get outbid. And speaking of Scherzer, that was my next point. Uh, Max Scherzer, 3,000 Ks. So kudos to him. Congratulations, Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met Max. Twice in my life, uh, once at Oso, gave me $5, and then once at the national championship game between Ohio State, no, Clemson and Alabama. Um, I went up to him and was like, hey, man, you uh, you tipped me once um, at Oso. So I just want to say thank you for the, f- the $5, even though uh, you hadn't got paid yet. So I'm just going to shock it up to that, just being why you didn't give me 20 That's kind of a joke. And he's like, I know what you used that $5 for. And then he pretended to, you know, blow with his nose. It's like, okay, guy. But uh, that's taste between me, Max, and the <laughs> listeners here. I hope this never gets out. I don't think ninety percent baking soda, ten percent cocaine. Funny guy, basically. So he's just making a college show. If we talked a little bit, good guy, great guy. So congrats to you. I know you were a former Diamondback that got away like every other player in the goddamn major leagues. Um, one hundred thirty-four strikeouts thrown to former D-backs catcher Chris Snyder, and one to now D-backs first baseman, first base coach Robbie Hammock. Last but not least, AL wild card. Also damn dandy. Sox Yanks tied. We talked about it. This is going to be a fun last couple of weeks. And Vlad Guerrero, 45 dingers. Otani, 44 dingers. Garrett, I'm going to take Vlad Jr. Who You, you got Vlad or Otani? Vlad. Vlad I love the, the idea that pitcher can lead the, uh, the MLB in home runs. Uh, but I really I want I want Vlad to get that triple crown as a rookie so fucking bad. He's absolutely absurd. We're watching a greatness in the making. But now it's time uh-huh. to pivot from Major League Baseball. We are heading to the college football landscape. Let's get da-na-na, it kicked off. Wait, that's ESPN. I don't know what that is either. Yeah. So we're gonna recap last week, starting with one that Garrett had circled. I didn't watch the game, but I did have a betting interest in this because I told a buddy of mine who to take here, and that's the Kansas-Coastal Carolina game. Mm-hmm. Okay, Coastal so. Carolina beats Kansas 49-22. I told Jackman, he said, who should I take here? I feel a betting itch now that betting's legal in Arizona. I was like, I don't know. At the time, I think it was uh, Coastal Carolina minus 25 and a half, minus 26. I was like, bro, Colts, Kansas walked it off against South Dakota and stormed the field. South Dakota went one and three uh-huh. in I think the it was shitty 22 conference and a half. Twenty six yeah. would have scared me, no matter but, what. But what I was getting at basically was, dude, you got to take Coastal Carolina here because if Kansas can barely beat a bad team in South Dakota in their own conference, mm-hmm. what are and they going to do against? Coastal's a good D one. Yeah, Kristen, yeah. Uh, Grayson McHale, McCall. Is it McHale or McCall? Obviously, McCall. Grayson McCall. You, you okay. you're just terrible at last names. Yeah, and first it, names. Uh huh. In words, in the English uh-huh. language. Uh, but yeah, great game. I didn't watch it. You you, you were able to pick the Sun Belt guys or what? Um, I caught a little bit of the third, well, most of the third, a little bit of the fourth quarter. All I got to say is Grayson McCall is exactly who he said he was last year. Uh, he's ag- insanely accurate. He's kind of, I mean, he's a great runner. Last year, I think it was a little more 
tilted towards like a spread read option type situation, um, which is what they beat BYU last year on a short week. I remember we took uh, Coastal just because of that kind of wrinkle in their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but McCall, 17 to 21, 245, two scores, pretty, pretty almost flawless through the air. Um, and I'll, obviously, Coastal ran all over them. Uh, McCall wasn't a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, Kansas sucks. I don't know who the coach is. Um, I think maybe tear down, relocate, uh, cease operations as a university. You have, I think at this point you have to cease operations because now you're just a laughing stock um, for a long mm-hmm. time now. Uh, and your basketball is still pretty good. Um, nobody's going there to watch the fucking football. If I'm Kansas, cease operations. Uh, just pack everything up. I think they should up. do uh, like in Friday Night Lights from East Dillon and uh, West Dillon merge. Uh, so it's like Vince Howard playing for the Panthers. I think so, Kansas and Kansas State should do that so that they have a good, ba- a really good basketball team and like the middle of the pack Big 12 football team. Uh huh. And what, an, another thing they should do is like, you know, like in milita- military um, war zones and stuff, like especially mm-hmm. like in World War II, like, if, like let's say Germany's pushing the line, the, the allies will grab everything from like their headquarters, either burn it, or pack it, and drive off. But uh-huh. they do it in like, like 20 minutes. Like it's uh-huh. super, they tear everything down. They should do that with the Kansas football facilities. Scorch like 20, Yeah, torch the field, grab all the files, torch the files, get all the equipment, pack it into a bag, put it in a U-Haul and get the hell out of there. Uh-huh, GM ritual suicide. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, 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 exactly. And you have to go down <laughs> with the ship. But just looking at mm-hmm. Coastal, like you said, McCall was good. And then they ran the ball really well. Your boy Reese White had 100 on the ground. And then even their backup, Shamari Jones, had a 43 on the ground. So good game for them. They had a hundred yard receiver over on Kansas's end. Uh, your boy uh, Jason Bean, just looking at the box score, did everything as a quarterback. Uh, wasn't very good throwing, but threw for one eighty nine and ran for one hundred and two and two scores. But yeah, their cheeks. That's that's just a fact. And then the the good game to start the Saturday slate, the early game, Oregon Ohio State. Luckily for me, I was able to catch almost the majority of this game. I think I got home around the second quarter, right before it ended. And my first, the thing I noticed the most by far, especially the start of the third quarter and going on through that game was how Ohio state, except maybe one drive, if I remember correct, one or two drives in the fourth could not stop that Oregon offense. And not at all. CJ Verdell ran all over them. They they ran for 270 yards. Ohio State couldn't stop a nosebleed. And that's what's going to crush you. They were playing Alabama. And I know, I know. Oregon is not Alabama. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the world knows that. But it did look like that. They could not stop the run. And, and Oregon, Anthony Brown's a good quarterback, but he wasn't very accurate. He threw for a decent amount of yards. Mistake-free football is what's huge uh-huh. for Brown. But Brown even ran the ball very well. 10 carries for 65 oh, yeah. yards. And then um, freaking uh, Travis Dye, their backup running back, um, also had eight carries for 43 yards. All three rushers averaged five a pop. C.J. Verdell, the starting running back, averaging eight. They got outrushed two. They got outrushed two sixty nine to one twenty eight. Third down efficiency, another big thing. You got to get off the field. Oregon State was eight for sixteen, while Ohio State was six for fifteen. Fourth down efficiency as well. Oregon was one for one. Ohio State two for five. Three turnovers on downs. I mean, and then of course they lost a turnover battle. If you can't stop the run at home, there's an issue. That's all I'm gonna get at. Ohio State for the most part. Your boy uh, Stroud looks good at times and then looks awful at times. And then yeah. uh, is there need, a better – We need to talk about that. Is there a better receiving duo in the in the uh, college football landscape 
than uh, Garrett Wilson, right? That yeah, Wilson who and, he uh, diced Olave. up Minnesota. Yeah, and Chris Olave. I don't think there is. Um, I don't. I love Olave. Or, I mean, I don't know how to say his name. He's fucking. He's fantastic. It's Olave, but um, that's just what I saw. I watched that game almost trust, in its entirety. I don't trust last names at all. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Uh, but I heard Gus, uh, Gus, uh, that jackass Gus uh, Johnson was on the call. So I heard him say, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, so okay, so we need to talk about uh Stroud's game. So, Stroud, very young, he's either a freshman or a redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. comes in Ohio State, no college football experience in his first two games. First two games, he goes for basically 304 touchdowns and a pick against Minnesota, which is a great game. He looked really good. Second half, he balled the fuck out. Uh-huh. Like I mean, and then versus yeah. Oregon, it it falls on him to put the team on his back. He threw for four eighty three, four eighty four, sorry, and three touchdowns. I get the pick. I saw the pick. The pick was pretty bad, um, and he missed. There were there were a couple points. He could he could have thrown for five fifty and five scores. Yeah, um, he chucks that ball around. He ain't afraid of anything. Yeah, he missed. He there was there was two deep balls that he missed that didn't look great. Um, but I'm on the score app, the forum on the score app, which is purgatory. It is the, it's punishment. For if you know, you know, so it's basically long. just a chat where anybody can go in there and talk about the game. And it gets, it's mostly it gets people wild. lying. Like you're, if you want, if you're on their live, like there'll be a fourth down and like people before the plays even run will go, damn, can't believe they didn't get it. So you're like waiting or for damn it. touchdown. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh huh. It's like, Oh my God, 75 yard touchdown. Uh-huh. Like, hmm. And then you reload uh, in, it's a stuff for a negative four, and you're like, nice. uh-huh. But it's a lot of those people and a lot of people that have clearly never watched or played football going, mm-hmm. oh, CJ Stroud fucking sucks. Get a new bench him, bench him. So you're going to bench someone who just threw for 500 yards that kept you in this game? When oh, Jack Miller, couldn't... former Chaparral quarterback. I wouldn't be against it. But I agree. No, uh, I that, love CJ Stroud. That game is 1,000%. Like, no defense. doubt about it on the defense. You give up 505 yards. I know they, they had 100 more yards at Ohio State, but the rushing numbers. You give up 269 yards rushing in your home field against a Pac-12 mm-hmm. team? Come on, mm-hmm. man. So that was that. They Ohio State's going to fall. Ohio, they scored more against Ohio State than they did against Fresno. Yes. That and the Ducks, the Duckies, they got it pretty easy for a couple of weeks. They got Stony Brook and U of A, which are basically um, basically two, yeah, two NAIA schools. If if they can beat Stony Brook, they can beat U of A. That's how I see it. It's not the other way around. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, yeah. not everyone who beats U of A would beat Stony Brook. Yeah, correct. And then and then Stanford, who beat USC this weekend, um, handily too. David Shaw kind of getting a little bit buzz again. Um, that might be a game, but we had that's a ways away. So Oregon should start the season four and zero and should crack the top eight seven even i don't know where they are now they played as the number two, 12 team in the country let's see if mm-hmm. my ap poll is updated we have the duckies at four so it is they wow they jumped four yeah i didn't think that was gonna happen um god the, the disrespect to cincinnati but they have a chance to the get AP it this poll is so stupid it's such a joke so hey the season ended today you would have oregon versus alabama in the first round we're losing Al- by 45 to alabama yeah. um but anywho uh, let's move on. The next game we had circled here, G, was Notre Dame-Toledo. I was unable to watch that game because it's on the Peacock. I don't even know what the uh-huh. fuck that is. I refused to get Peacock, but I just thought it was noteworthy because how does Notre Dame? So the Florida State game originally looked like uh, kind of a boon to Florida State. 
So it looked like they were a lot better. Yes, it looked like Florida State was turned up, packed house, playing um, for the coach. And we Kenzie fell Miller. for it, too. We fell for it, too, last week. We were talking about how excited and how physical Florida State looked. Uh-huh, how they were going to play hard. We, I think yeah, we, stopped, we stopped short of saying Florida State's back. Um, Thank God. I think, I think credibility you know, out both the window of us were today. saying we're kind of excited about Norville. Uh, uh, so, coming coming that close to beating Notre Dame was a lot worse now than it did that day. Toledo, Notre Dame. Notre Dame won 32-29. Mm-hmm. Cohen played okay. Um, running game Not looked great. okay. Like it did, they, on off, I mean, it didn't look like they played Toledo. It looked like they played an okay of like a solid, you know, an ACC uh-huh. opponent or something. Um, but at the end of the day, you cannot. You abs as the number eighteen in the country. You can absolutely not almost drop one to Toledo in week two. Yes, and Toledo's had some name good players one, come out of there. One, well, not recently. Kareem name Hunt, one person. I Jason guess. Campbell, I guess, but Kareem Hunt kicked uh, the whole kicking thing. Jason Campbell, the quarterback. Yep, he's from Auburn. Oh, Bruce Gradkowski. That's how it's <laughs> Yeah. Those are not at all the same. Yeah. Person. Bruce Gradkowski. Next. That was that was also 06. Um, but anyways, now you look at the game, and it should have never been a game. Notre Dame 27 first downs, Toledo 16. They had over 100 more yards. And like I said, that's not indicative of being a better team, like the Oregon-Ohio State game. But the mm. rushing uh, yards were matched, which is always a good thing. And Notre Dame had more passing yards. The issue at hand was three turnovers at the hands of Notre Dame, a pick and two lost fumbles. And then you give a team like that life. Um, honestly, should have lost the game. They should have lost to Toledo. Um, Toledo scored on the last – they scored with a minute 35 left, a rushing, rushing touchdown. But if their running back would have just fell down at the one-yard line, they could, they could have burnt more clock and then just mm-hmm. kicked a field goal and win. But that's not what happened. Notre Dame goes down and wins – uh, Matthew Mayer, their, uh, or Michael Mayer, sorry, their tight end that everybody loves who had the drops. He's against Florida State. He has seven receptions for 81 yards. Hey, Notre Dame, you're off the hook. Um, him. Let's see. They're eighth. I would imagine they got pushed down by the AP, right? They better uh, have. They did. They're 12th now. Imagine winning a game and dropping four spots. Hey, shit. Shit happens, man. You got to be better That's against rough. Toledo. You um, do. We're moving on to Texas A&M and Colorado. Before we do that, I just want to say this and take 10 seconds. UConn, holy shit, you suck. They lose to Purdue 49-0. to Just so you know, they're 0-3 on the year. They have yet to score against a Power 5 or against a a FBS team in eight quarters. Shout out against Fresno, shout out against Purdue, and then they lost to Holy Cross. They will not win a game this year. Their next best chance to win a game, maybe Yale. But isn't Yale pretty good? Uh, for an Ivy League program, yeah. And UConn being who they They're are. They're better than Holy Cross, and Holy yeah. Cross gave them a game. So I think there's a realistic chance that Yale and UMass both, honestly, Van- <laughs> this sounds bad, Vanderbilt yeah. might, might be their best bet. Now, if Chandler High School played Holy Cross, Chandler would win, right? Mm, I think it'd be a game. I think it'd be a game, too, because you, you probably have, what, like 12 kids on that team at D1 offers? Probably a little uh-huh. bit more. Uh-huh. That are seniors like most, and juniors. Yeah, with linemen that could play at Holy Cross. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. I actually think ooh, that would be a game. Holy Cross just has like adult men. That's about it. Uh huh. That's the only thing. It's like yeah. not fast adult men, not athletic. Adult no, men. no, it's like a rec league uh, LA fitness adult men. But uh, exactly. You want, to, <laughs> you want to talk about Colorado A and M? I know it was an absolute snooze fest. 
um, Colorado. Another weird game. I didn't watch a second of it. Um, I cannot look at the Texas A&M logo without thinking of Kent State being on bad beats uh, two weeks ago. And um, Colorado, I have not been interested in them since Philip Lindsay was there. And I was a little bit interested in them when Brett Bieniemy took the uh, – or Eric Bieniemy. Jeez, Eric Lord. Bien-Aimé. You know I just combined Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema and Eric Bien-Aimé. Uh When he was going to be the head coach <laughs> of Colorado, then he decided to bounce. So I haven't been interested. Uh-huh. I didn't watch a second of it, but I did see 10-7 as one of the most boring games of all time. Uh, I can't uh-huh. name well, biggest. Us. Soul on either team because I hate them. I know the Texas A&M quarterback. That's about Spiller, it. Spiller on Texas A&M um, is really like kind of the main main star there. I don't know anyone in Colorado. Um, yeah, how could Spiller, Spiller Spiller's really Spiller's solid. Um, he looked like shit though on Saturday. Uh, eight for eight for twenty. Uh, what do you have? He had six catches for fifty six yards and a touchdown. So not not bad. Um, but also the biggest story of that day was Haynes King, A&M starting quarterback. Uh, hurts his ankle. It doesn't look like there is a timetable yet. There probably is, and I just haven't seen it. Um, but I don't. I don't believe he's playing next week, which is probably why A and M um, is, you know, supposed to be. I think they're. I don't know. They play somebody. We're gonna get into it in the next segment. Uh-huh. Uh, but they play some like kind of some random ass team. Yeah, I saw it was eighty nine degrees. Uh, cloudy with a chance of meatballs. He there was a score of 17 total points. So that's boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine, about- imagine only losing to a and though by three and throwing for 89 yards in a pick. Mm-hmm. That's just that's a tough, bad. tough, tough, tough scene. And then, unfortunately, another tough scene was I actually sat down and thought Iowa, Iowa State was going to be a fun game to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, sir. But uh, I just sound off. I'm assuming Brock Purdy did not get hurt. I'm just going to go out and assume he got benched because I remember looking up and then seeing this kid named Hunter Deckers in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, different jersey. He wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah, tw- yeah, I saw 15 out and 12 in. And I thought Deckers looked way better than Purdy. Purdy looked downright terrible. All he did was kept oh, throwing yeah. picks. I, I was disappointed as hell in him as being an Arizona quarterback. And then Spencer Petrus, who I did say last week, is a pretty solid quarterback, returner for Iowa. I mean, he didn't jump off the page 11 for 21, 106 in a score. And honestly, he looked like he was scared shitless every time he dropped back. But no picks compared to the other quarterback who's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Three picks. Matt Campbell's team at home in Ames. Dude, embarrassing. That was an embarrassing performance by your so-called Heisman candidate, Brock Purdy. I never said Brock Purdy. I do not like Brock Purdy. No, no. I'm saying um, everybody said he was kind of a Heisman oh, candidate. And oh, I thought we were, <laughs> we were echoing back to my Sam Howell. No, and I kept watching the game. And it was kind of a battle um, back and forth at the 50-yard line, you know, for the majority of that first half. And then um, Iowa finally had a big play through the air, and then they ran it in. Uh, to get up 7-0, and then finally Petrus had the big play to make it 14-0. And at that point, I figured the game was over. Um, but Purdy just kept fucking up. So, I mean, really that game was over at that point. Good for Iowa, man. They play tough defense. Um, I don't That's know. That's all they have, dude. They, they Honestly, Iowa on offense. I that know. offense is gross. I think Petrus will do enough, but I don't know how much enough is going to – they're not going to make the – what I saw was not a team that's going to make no, their their they, they ceiling. Yeah, yeah their, their ceiling is a New right Year's Six Bowl. Right a New Year's Six Bowl. I think their okay. ceiling is like eighteen. Fair enough. And then lose a bowl game to unranked. Well, lucky for them, they have to go to Wisconsin. We'll see how hard they're playing by that time. I think they but... had less than two yards of carry on thirty-eight attempts. 
It was a bad game. It was a boring game. It was one of the few games. I like sitting down, watching the games all Saturday, watching the games all Sunday, and then playing video games before and after. I was mm-hmm. about to get on Apex. I think I did around the fourth quarter. I was like, holy shit, I can't do this anymore. I decided to get on yeah. Apex for like an hour. We were on together around that time. Uh-huh, before the Texas-Arkansas game. Um, and Texas is not back. Uh, I think we sucks. say that every year. Texas, uh, have fun in the SEC, guys. Um, holy How shit, Sam Ellinger was – think Texas will win in the SEC this year? I'm going to say three. If they played in the SEC, zero. They go oh, – they beat them in Vanderbilt. <laughs> you don't think they beat Vandy? No, no, I mean, they'd be okay. Probably like a 500 team. Kentucky, Mizzou, maybe. Mm -hmm. They have the best running back in the country in B. John Robinson, who I don't know if you knew this, but went to South Point Catholic. Uh, They did not know that. Seriously, B. John Robinson, I was kind of joking. I thought you knew that. B. John Robinson is the best running back in football, in my opinion, and they can't win with them. Quarterback play was downright atrocious. Um. So Couldn't stop a cold defensively also, right? At least well, on the ground. You KJ Jefferson looks solid. Uh, I mean, throwing. everybody was jumping on Texas. They were a touchdown favorite on the road, Arkansas. They beat rice by 20. But if you watch that game, rice was winning in the third quarter, Arkansas, mm. it was a bad beat on rice's. I just don't uh, yeah. on, on rice's uh, end from the spread in that game. Rice almost could have won that game. And then Texas mm. goes and beats a Louisiana team that was nine and one the year before in the COVID year with their one loss coming against Coastal Carolina and a team that beat Iowa State, being that Louisiana team. So everyone was on Texas, and my God, you should not have been because if you were on Arkansas, one of the easier wins you'll ever have. Um, Card, that quarterback, Hudson Card, mm-hmm. absolute cheeks, dummy yeah. cheeks. Stupid And uh, Casey Thompson seems to be the best quarterback by far. I agree. Um, and it looks like Casey Thompson – they have come out and reported he will be the starting quarterback. I think that is definitely the right decision here. Casey Thompson completes passes 10% higher than Card. His rating is 10 points higher than Card. He's thrown no picks. He's a better quarterback. And he doesn't have a stupid first name. Yeah, you can't win named Hudson. You can't win Card. with someone named Hudson. Or last name Card. Good luck, pal. Card Card's tough enough, but even if you have a good first name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a couple other games to look at. I was locked into Kentucky, Missouri. Not a lot to talk about there, but I will say this. Kentucky is for real. I like them a lot. Really? And I seem, yes, I think everybody likes that quarterback. Will, will Levis. He does enough just to not for a Kentucky quarterback. Who's that Woodson guy? Was that their quarterback? Remember when they were really good? Andre Woodson back in like the late 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the best quarterback He's since Andre Woodson. He's got five tutties. No yeah. pick so far this year. As long as he kind of stays doing that, he's good. And then Chris Rodriguez learned the name. 27 carries for 206 and three scores. Kentucky is Kentucky's doing what Kansas and Duke cannot. They're getting better at football every single year. I'm uh-huh. high on Kentucky this year. I took them minus five and a half, and I took them in a money line spread. I did not tell anybody about it. It was not on Twitter where I happened to go four and zero, oh, but that's besides the point. No, it's not. That's actually fucking awesome. But anyways. Kentucky, they're the real deal. But let's move on to the games that you and I said we were going to talk about. I did not watch the lick of this game, but they're your boys. Memphis, Arkansas State combined for 105. Take it away, pal. This Shoot, is all you. Shootout of the century. I've been worried about Memphis since Norvell left. Because um, even with Brady White and a lot of familiar faces last year from that 2019 team, um, they were so, and they're, they're a really good AAC team. They kind of – I felt they underperformed. I think my expectations were just way too high. Um, 
but I don't know. I think they're back. I'm pretty sure Memphis lost to Arkansas State last year. It wasn't a shootout like this, but handing Arkansas up. State's not a bad team. They're very they've been known team. to run the ball for a very under, long time, and they're a bull it's team. Arkansas State, they fly under the radar. If they were uh huh. That's a bull team popular, every year. If they weren't yeah, if they weren't in Mad Max, they, I think uh-huh. people know know who they are. Uh, but Seth Hennigan, four seventeen, five touchdowns. Uh, Dude, he has six hundred eighty-two yards passing on sixty-five attempts. I it's know six touchdowns. Their, no their new stud running back, Brandon Thomas, one ninety-one, two scores on the ground. A couple other guys contributed solid yards per carry all around. Uh, I think as a team, if you don't count Hennigan's sacks, they had it's like you know, a little over eight yards per carry. Um, they look really fucking good offense. Memphis has been a quality football team for a while. They played Penn State in that New Year's Six Bowl game a couple years back, and then last year Norvell left, and they had Brady White still kind of an up-and-down year. But if mm. Memphis can turn into kind of a program that is quality football out of the they're, AFC, and they're going to they leave, right? Fast. Or they're staying, no, everybody no, else is leaving. Well, I think with everybody, if all the all those rumors end up Go independent. Being, like, true. Um, no, I think Memphis, like if I'm Memphis, I try to try to get into the ACC. That's the only thing that makes sense because mm-hmm. the SEC would have been the go-to, but if you go to the SEC, I'm sorry, I love Memphis, but it's going to be a while before they get recruits to help. I'm telling you, I go, I go independent, and then to get recruits, my schedule goes so as follows: good. one, Alabama; two, <laughs> next week, Georgia; three, Oklahoma; four, Oregon; five, Iowa; six, Clemson; seven, Texas A&M; eight, Cincinnati; nine, Stony Brook; by a week, ten, Penn State; eleven, Florida; twelve, Notre Dame. We go six and six. We're in the national championship, as far as uh, I'm concerned. Look, look, there's PowerPoints. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like the AIA. So that's um, Garrett's game. And then the I just last want to game, touch on touch on two quick uh, two quick uh, little receiving lines from that game too. Uh, you love Calvin this Austin, team. I really do. Calvin Austin's on the team last year. Yeah, he, he was on. He wasn't a uh, like a huge contributor. Six for two thirty nine three scores. Absolutely insane. But Sean Dykes, who. I think it was a sophomore on that 2019 team is still there. Tight end, uh, nine for 143, two touchdowns. Memphis is back. Well, good for you, pal. I'm glad your team's back. Um, last couple games of notice. Um, U of A is trash. Let's just keep that in mind. Um, Michigan BYU, good. BYU beat Utah. Uh, Utah starting Char- Charlie Brewer, the old uh, Baylor quarterback. They get thumped by BYU, which honestly is a rivalry game, so all bets off. ASU beats UNLV. Stanford, like we mentioned before, beats USC, which is honestly a huge loss. We'll get into them in a second. But last but not least, the last game we need to talk about, Jacksonville State beats Florida State. We said Florida State may be back. We didn't say they were back. We said they're mm-hmm. going to play tough. They did the exact opposite, complete 180. The they offense was absolutely atrocious in that game. That um, looked bad. I did an insane money line parlay with all these teams, and I had Florida State in it. Uh, oh. USC lost, so it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. um, holy hell, if USC would have won, that would have stung for sure. Uh, yeah. Travis 0 for 3 with no yards. Um, and one carry for seven yards. And Mackenzie Milne, 133 yards on 31 attempts. Doesn't get much worse than that. Pretty bad ball game all around mm, for Florida State. Disappointing. But how do you lose with six seconds left? All you had to do was guard the end zone, and they are able to throw a tutty. You couldn't even get the tackle. It's not like no you threw excuse. it in the end zone for a jump ball. The corner misses the tackle, and the safety takes a bad angle. How do you not have some guy back there? How do you only rush three, rush two, get everyone back there? The quarterback cannot throw that far. This is fucking Jacksonville State of the A-Sun Whack Challenge League. I don't even know what mm-hmm. that is. I do, do you know what that means? Atlantic no. Sun Western Athletic Conference Challenge. 
are they playing each other? Is this a new doo-doo conference? That sounds like a, I have that no sounds clue like what's a happening. show on MTV. Yeah, it sounds like one of those early uh, college basketball, um, you know, hard, hardwood hoops competitions. I don't mm. know, but if you lose, embarrassing that you don't have everybody back playing in the end zone, getting ready to gang tackle. You deserve to lose. Holy hell. And then a lineman proposed oh, yeah. to his girlfriend after the game. And all FSU hardos are like, you can't propose after the game. You just got fucking raped by Jacksonville State. But you know what, pal? I didn't even see that. No, everyone, I'm like, that gives bad. a shit. Well, because he probably planned it thinking they weren't going to lose. <laughs> so, hey, it is what it is. That's this week's football or last week's football recap. Clay, Clay Helm gets fired, what, yesterday or two days ago? Let's we'll uh, see what they do with Clay. Yeah, two days. What do you think they'll Urban, do with uh, Urban Meyer? Apparently not going to US. He said no chance. I don't blame him. He just got to Jacksonville. He does have the heart issues. Remember, he could die coaching at any moment. I think he then come back to him. life at USC. Uh huh. Because yeah, he did that. True. He did that with Florida to go to Ohio State. So if he starts having a little bit of health issues, pencil him into USC because that's what he does. He doesn't just go up to the AD and go, "Hey, man, I'm going to take another job. It's I'm going to fake death, he goes, and then I'm going to uh, go to a new job." Yeah, he croaks uh, over. He yells, throw me in the trash, and then <laughs> and, and it's over. So we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of coaches that I know Eric Bieniemy was linked there. I know now uh, Urban Meyer's linked there. Probably won't get filled out for a while. Uh, the interim head coach is former U of A corners coach, who I once heard, I'm not going to name sources, uh, they were getting ready to play USC when he was the corners coach at U of A, and they were going over film at, of uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and he looked at the U of A corners room, and he goes, this man, sorry, this guy cheeks. You guys should be able to clamp this dude up. He's no good. And uh, 24 hours later, Juju went for like a buck 90 and two scores and uh-huh. uh, made that coach look like a real jackass. Good. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Fortnite and uh, TikTok dances happened. But besides, yeah, exactly. That's besides the point. That's our week two recap. On to week three, Garrett. We have a doozy to start on Friday, UCF Louisville. I brought this one up because Louisville, to me, you kind of look at their advanced metrics. Offensively, defensively, they're very average. UCF, I bought into since week one. I know they didn't cover their first game against Boise, but they did have a 24-7 to comeback victory against the Broncos. And I still uh-huh. like the quarterback, Dylan Gabriel. Louisville got absolutely lit up like a Christmas tree against um, Ole Miss and Matt Carroll without their play caller, Lane Kiffin. Dylan Gabriel, not as good, but I think good enough to still score 35, 40 points. As long as you keep Louisville out of that high 30s range, you know, I think there's a good chance yeah. that they cover. So I'm going to play small on UCF. I just wanted to bring that up. Um, they've already got their first home game out of the way as well. They beat um, Eastern Kentucky, so it's not going to be – that first game, you know, packed house type of environment that you would usually see for a team's home opener. Um, it should be a good game. It should be a packed house. I'm not buying Malik Cunningham. Keep him from running the ball all over, and it should be a good one. Um, another game you and I have circled heading into Saturday was Minnesota-Colorado, just because we think this may be the worst game of the weekend, so it deserves some talking about. Um, yeah, if there's ever a game you bet the under on, this game. 48 and a half is pretty low, but well, look, Muhammad Ibrahim. These teams don't these teams don't score 20 together. The superstar of Minnesota's team, Muhammad Ibrahim, one of the best running backs in the country, or mm-hmm. volume-wise, one of the better running backs in the country. He's out for the year with the torn Achilles. Mm-hmm. Colorado, like we said, is abysmal at throwing the ball. Minnesota plays hard defense. You saw what they did to CJ Stroud for the first half of that Ohio State game. And as much as I like Minnesota's quarterback. Uh, Tanner Morgan, 
I just don't know if he's going to ever put up, you know, big yardage ever in the history of his life. So it could be a good low scoring game. Um, Might get on the slate. If you do follow me on Twitter, you would have saw last week. I said Rutgers, San Diego state money line. And I had two others in there. I had Michigan minus six and a half. And I had one other one in there. I can't remember the fourth one, but I went four and oh, no big deal. One and two the weekend before. So we're sitting at a clean five and two record on posted plays at the Twitter handle at Musa underscore Alec, or I think it's Alec underscore Musa. I can't keep I think it it's up, Alec but that Musa. under might make it. I think it is too. So look for that under play. Um, it's pretty damn low, but just a peak. Virginia Tech, West Virginia, the game of the early slate. Virginia Tech, Tech who beat North Carolina with Heisman hopeful and potential first round pick Sam Howell in week one at their place travels to Morgansburg to play West Virginia quarterback for the, the Mountaineers. None other than Jarrett Doge, who you may know as the brother of Seth Doge from Texas tech fame. He's a fifth year senior Garrett. The guy's like 29 years old. He played two years at Bowling green three at West Virginia, 14 and four touchdown interception ratio last year. Lady Brown, their 1000 yard rusher from last year is back even though he's averaging a poultry 3.3 yards per carry. And their head coach is no longer Dana Holgerson, who I knew was at Houston, but somehow I keep thinking he's at both schools. Like, I don't know how that works in my head. Like he flies to West Virginia, coaches the game at Morgansville, Morgansville and flies down to Houston, coaches the game there and gets two paychecks and uh, laughs his, his happy ass all the way to the bank while uh, both teams go six and six. But um, West Virginia does have a loss on the year. They lost a, what you said was quote unquote shitty Maryland. So that should be quite I a good game. Here. Uh, you say Virginia tech's going to win. I gave you all the reasons West Virginia might win just a returning backfield. And then Neil Brown, their head coach from Troy was pretty good when he coached there. And he's been very, 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 and I mean, very average in his three years at West Virginia. I think he's 500 on the dot. So they play VT though. You think VT wins three point um, dogs. Well, I just want to, I don't, I do it doesn't make any sense. How, it doesn't make any sense. These lines, if you know, if assuming home field three points uh, goes, whoever has home field gets you know extra three. Three points. points that's what they always They're say. They're saying that Tech and West Virginia are evenly matched. I don't see that at fucking all. No, and I don't Vontech either. Tech would and... be Maryland by three scores. Mm-hmm. And I don't no. think they give up twenty-eight either. And this isn't this isn't uh, Braxton Burmeister's uh, first rodeo. Starting quarterback played a lot last year, and he's had a good season so far this year. Turnover free, um, doesn't throw a lot or run first team. But dude, they beat North Carolina, who was supposed to be the team of the ACC this year, outside of Clemson. So I got to agree with you on that one. Just looking at kind of West Virginia, their running back. He's been a starter for three years, on and off, very high highs and very low lows, and then. Unless Seth Doge changes jerseys with Jarrett Doge, I ain't buying it. So that's the game right there, the early clock. Then we have Purdue-Notre Dame, Garrett. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, cheap speed is the question. Um, they beat Florida State, and we thought it was good. And then all of a sudden, they fucking get in a shootout against Toledo. Meanwhile, Purdue looks good because they beat UConn 49-0. to But don't let that fool you. It's UConn. So when checking what team you want to bet, just know the numbers are completely inflated on Mm -hmm. produce produce uh, line they do start a quarterback from arizona though shout out to your boy jack Plummer or yeah Mm -hmm. jack Plummer from uh, gilbert arizona played with dawson tanner you know his brother bo tanner don't you garrett you know his brother a little bit uh no i do not know his brother 
Neither do I. Um, he uh, left <laughs> us, unfortunately, in uh, 2015, I want to say. May his God rest his soul. Uh, should be a good dead. one. He's just dead to us. I lean Notre Dame because I think they've had tougher competition. They get everybody's best. I think people are riding Purdue because I don't. it's so hard to read Purdue, Garrett, because you beat UConn 49-0, to zero, but what does that mean? I don't think that means, means anything. Exactly. Means and then you beat a really bad Oregon State team at their place 30-21. to 21. I think so, IMG beats uh, UConn 49. Yeah, exactly. And then Notre Dame, yeah, they, it's so tough. I, I'm staying away because you can't really read anything out of it. And I'm lucky enough that I watched four quarters of Notre Dame football, and I think they run the ball. Jack Cohen at times can throw the deep ball well, and that defense is pretty good, especially their safeties. I would lean Notre Dame, but you don't know anything about Purdue. You just don't. UConn doesn't yeah. count. It was a televised scrimmage. So that should be a fun know. game I, as well. I, I Notre Dame better handle well. business or they're going to keep dropping in the AP top 25 until they play Cincinnati. Speaking of Cincinnati, that's the other game we got circled, Garrett. Your boy. Cincy, Indiana. Riddler versus Phoenix. The matchup of the week to you, not really. But you know what? It kind of might be because Cincinnati's only a four-point favorite as a top 10 team in the country. They lose mm-hmm. this. They're done. Their national title hopes I agree, are but I think there's a chance. I think there's a good chance they kick the shit out of Indiana because four points – the number eight team to an unranked Indiana team that just lost to, I mean, the Iowa loss doesn't look as bad now, um, but lost to Iowa pretty handily in week one. Uh, I got uh-huh. their asses kicked by Iowa. Uh, I think Cincinnati runs away with this one. I do too. I think this is going to be a play of mine. Uh, it's hard taking these kind of close favorites on the road. Cause you feel like Vegas is up to something mm-hmm. like, uh, what's this all about? But honestly, like, Cincinnati is on an absolute mission here, and I don't think they're looking ahead to Notre Dame. I know that's in two weeks where they have to go to, to um, Indiana and play the Irish, but honestly, I feel like that they're not doing that. They're a veteran-laden team, and this Indiana, if you don't win here, national title hopes are gap. They're done. It's a wrap. But you win here, you head to Notre Dame, and there's a good chance that if you beat Notre Dame, and I don't think a good chance, a great chance, if you beat Notre Dame, you're going you're to the hunt. The, you're in the hunt because – how is how how is the committee going to give Cincinnati a top ten preseason ranking? Then they go out and beat Indiana, who you gave a top twenty five ranking to. Then they go beat Notre Dame, who has a top ten ranking, and then beat a UCF team that may be undefeated when they see them on the eighteenth of uh, October or sixteenth of October. How are you going to uh-huh. let a team that you said is top ten that goes undefeated outside the top four? That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I think I'm can. riding with you on Cincy. I they like played that Georgia one. close last year too. They did, they did, they did, and the quarterback's back, and everybody's in love with this kid, and you should be. Love um, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter made some mistakes last year, but he's getting better every every single game. I'm a fan. Um, run pass. He's, he's a freak. So keep your eye on that game. Only thing I would say um, – only thing I would say is make sure that if you're betting on this, make sure they're not looking forward to Notre Dame, but I would assume that a team with that many veterans is not going to be doing that. They want to kick this shit, yeah. Uh-huh. Another ranked um, game this weekend, Bama. Or did you have something else to say about Cincinnati? Oh, bef- no, no, no. Before we were getting into Bama, Florida, I was going to go into the other out-conference games because there's a bunch this week. We can talk Bama, Florida. Is there is, – is this another Miami situation where it's, you know, is there enough points you can give Alabama that you don't like it? Now, here's my thing. I always thought Miami – because Miami reminds me of Texas. Like, oh, Miami wins a game. You're like, Florida's Miami's a legit back. Program. Miami's back. Florida yeah. is a legit program. Kyle Trask was amazing last year. Uh, Florida has, I mean, when you talk about the recruits that come to Florida, it rivals that of Georgia. 
Maybe not uh, Bama, but it rivals that of Georgia. It's better Georgia's, than what you see at Georgia's Texas. Supposedly is, has had the number one class the last. Like, yeah, they have no, more five stars in the Pac-10 or the Pac. Well, might as well be the Pac-10 when you have U of A and then the Pac-10 and the uh, Big 12 combined. Um, I will say this though: quarterback situation. Florida wants to go ahead and start Emory Jones. That's the plan right now. I like Ant- Emory Jones, but it's been rough, dude. Ant, I know. Anthony Richardson is the he's Tim Tebow. He's the incarceration of Tim Tebow. I know you hate that because you think Tim Tebow is a fraud and a hack show, but yeah, Dan, he's a, she's yeah. a corporate shill. Yeah, he's a corporate sheep. <laughs> Dan Mullen uh, says he's going to go with Emory Jones, um, but honestly, I don't know how you don't. This reminds me of almost like a oh, what was that quarterback's name that was with Tim Tebow's freshman year? Chris Leak. Chris Leak. Man, maybe like a Chris, Chris Leak, Leak is like a child molester now. Oh, he is. Mm-hmm. God, how'd that? Really? Um, what the yeah, fuck was Urban Meyer doing that. over there? Honestly, yeah. Pe- actually, people talk about like the Aaron Hernandez, Bradley Cooper, all that stuff. They completely forget. Urban Meyer was the coach there in 06, right when they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they completely so forget about noted pedophile Chris Leak. He's got a lot of stuff on his hands right now. I know. He's honestly he's probably defending himself from depositions in the Chris Lee case. Uh huh. I see. I see. I see. Richardson is questionable, and pe- uh, he's got a bad hammy, so to speak. Bummer. But dude, this guy's a freak. He's got 11 carries for 275 yards on the ground with two tutties. Um, dude, he's a boss. He's an absolute boss. Big body dude. If he plays, I like them because I think they're going to rotate. But if he's hurt. And we go Emory Jones for four quarters. Give me Alabama. I'll keep my eyes on that. But I actually feel very good about taking Alabama if Anthony Richardson does not play. That's just a fact. I like Um, that. If Richardson does play. Interesting Dan Mullins. What's that? uh, No, no, keep going. What, what, that he won games at Mississippi State? No, no, no. Interesting Dan Mullins stat. Um, He's 0-10 lifetime versus Nick Saban. 1-4 versus Kirk Smart. Mm. who's that one coach that coached at Florida who took a picture with like the shark naked? Huh? You don't remember that? They were on a boat and they got a shark on the boat and he like laid with the shark naked. He was the former Colorado state coach. No. Fat fuck. Fat white dude. Um, all right. That's what we're going to do. The one, the one semi recently, Will Muschamp. It was Will Muschamp. He was, that was the worst coach in Florida football. Now I'm going to, I'm going to Google this really quick. Cause I am absolutely tarnishing somebody's name. Uh, I know you're calling Will Muschamp a degenerate and a deviant. Um, I don't know if it was Will Muschamp. I'm so sorry, Will Muschamp. A uh, Jim McElwain. Jim McElwain. Oh. That's who it was. Jim McElwain God. Shark. Send me that picture because I've never seen that. Um, it, it's disturbing. I will send it your way. Uh. Jim Jim McElwain, that fat fuck. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll move on to the next game. Alabama's going to do Alabama things. We've seen the quarterback, Bryce Young. He's a star. Uh, two receivers, star. Running back, star. Defense, star. At this point, it's just can they someone stay up with them? Like, you don't need to yeah. break down Alabama. What are you going to do? Watch film and no say they're good? Uses. Congratulations, asshole. You mm-hmm. wasted everybody's time. We're not here to do that. We have four more games to break on, but break down before we get Sakizi in here. So let's move on forward. We got Mississippi State, Memphis, you got really excited though. for this one. Memphis three point dog at home. This will be a good game. I'm not gonna. Well, kid, I'm not gonna kid myself and say I, Memphis should win this game. It's an SEC opponent. Uh, I 
I am, you know this, I am the biggest Mike Leach fan. Um, I don't know, Mississippi State, that offense has the scheme to keep themselves in the game. Memphis just runs the ball so well. Mississippi State's defense is a little suspect. This could be an over over, over type situation. Uh, over is at 64. Mississippi State doesn't play defense. We all, we obviously know Memphis doesn't. I could see the over going. I'm just saying, of Arkansas State, who's a good team, can score 50. It's a good chance Mississippi, Mississippi State, State is also a good team, could score 50. And if you're Memphis, you want to stay in that ball game. Same team that gave up 34 to Louisiana Tech, who's pretty decent offense for a non-power five yeah, conference. I do want to put, I do want to put in that. Um, should be a good one, and it's a under the radar type of game, so I don't know how much action is going to be coming in that. Now it's betting and legal, so there's in Arizona, so sure there's a bunch of degenerates, Sean Moran, that are going to be on that game, but still should be a good one for the over. And then we have a couple night games that are going to be pretty, pretty, pretty darn good. We have ASU BYU, um, BYU off that you know monumental win against Utah. Um, every time they play. Uh, we have a couple. We had some Mormon friends before they decided to exile us into uh, non-communication. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, BYU and Utah so is a very, very, very tough game for both teams. They play it. Spread does not matter. Um, they just want to beat the shit out of each other. Mormons versus not so big Mormons. I guess I don't know. I can't keep up with that hokey force religion. But uh, mm-hmm. regardless, I mean, I think BYU is going to be emotional after that game, and I think Arizona State who uh, doesn't know what it's like to run a play without getting a flag. I think they're going to come in ready to work. And these kind of run first teams are kryptonite, or I should say ASU is their kryptonite. Cause remember Michigan uh, state term yeah. Edwards beat the piss out of them twice. And I think Herm Edwards is going to go to BYU and beat them. You heard it here first sun devils, baby. And another reason we're rooting for the sun devils is if you st- sign up for barstool Sportsbook right now, you get four free bets one of them being the ASU over. So I really don't have a choice but to run, uh, vote, vote, but for root for the ASU. We'll but see how they do. Cast your ballot for ASU. Yes, go, 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 Sun Devils. And then we have uh, two more games we need to talk about before we get Sakizi on the show. One of them possibly being, three. Yeah, one of them being Toledo, Tulane, Ole Miss. We don't need to talk about this one a lot, other than the overs at seventy-six and a half. Tulane is the same team that almost beat Oklahoma. Do you think Ole Miss is a better team than Oklahoma to the point where no. they're going to cover 14 and a half? Well, there's your answer. And I know you I like and I are no. a big fan of the Tulane quarterback. Pratt. Um, Pratt. Michael Pratt, Michael right? Pratt. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my special Tulane's Pratt. the real deal. I, honestly, uh, I'm really – Tulane closed last season ranked. Um, I don't see a reason they shouldn't be ranked right now. They're a veteran team, and they're going to play hard, and they're out of the AAC, which is shown to play some quality football for the last mm-hmm. couple of seasons here um, before they, they dismantle. And, yeah, so Garrett's liking Tulane. We like Ole Miss. Matt Carroll is a great quarterback, and they run a very good system. But he's got a lot of Spencer Rattler in him, if you think about it. Very electric quarterback that can be turnover prone at times. I remember betting Ole Miss against um, – god damn, who was the team last year? I don't know. He threw for like 500 yards, five touchdowns, and four picks. It was exhausting. He ended up not covering. It was the saddest day the of my best. life. Because he looked so great and so bad. It was an amazing game, though. Uh, the other game we need to talk about, sounds like Garrett might have one more, was the – let me pull up our schedule here. Probably Auburn-Penn Penn State, State, the ranked matchup of the night, the ABC game of the night. Um, number 23, Auburn – or 22, Auburn, heading into Beaver Stadium to play number 10, Penn State. I will say this. Let's do it. Wait, wait. Let's, do, uh, let's do our pick for the spread. 
Or well, right. well, actually, scratch that. Who do you think wins this game? If it's a whiteout, if it's a whiteout at Beaver Stadium at University Park, you know, when it's 60,000 screaming Penn State fans all wearing white jerseys, I'm going mm. Penn State. Good luck going in there and winning. 100%. Plus Penn State. Uh, one of, Sam shot. Clifford, man. Sucks. Sam Clifford's a legit quarterback. I, I said Brock Purdy. I said Sam Clifford was a poor man's Brock Purdy. I probably look like a jackass now. Uh, so hopefully Sam Clifford doesn't make me look like a complete dick because it's almost the same thing. Penn State at home. Iowa State was at home. The better quarterback. Thought it was Brock Purdy. Thought it Noah was Kane Sam Clifford. Yeah, and then Bo Nix, Sam Petrus. I mean, or Spencer Petrus. Same type of deal. I think I'm everyone's name is Sam. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, I'm going to roll Penn State, though. There's a big difference between playing at Ames, which isn't even a full-dome stadium, and playing at Beaver Stadium at University Park. If it's a whiteout, I cannot, in good faith, give the stamp of approval to Auburn when they're playing at, at – no, hell no. Place gets – it's crazy, and I think it's going to be because it's a ranked matchup. And Penn State's got – and I'm sure James Franklin believes national championship aspirations for sure. Because they win this game, they're going to creep up into the top six, top seven teams in the country, and yeah. then they're going to they get Iowa in a couple weeks, and they win that game, they'll be a top, they'll push Iowa out of the top five. So uh-huh. go on Penn State. Uh, I agree, go Penn State. Only do you have any other teams you want to talk about? I just no, I I, I scratch, I dotted all my eyes, crossed all my T's. Sound like you had one more team to talk about? Um, uh, could it possibly be I a Florida A and M South Florida game? No, 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 no. Uh, one I actually want to talk about, and then one quick shout out from last week I want to give. Uh, Murray State. I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, SMU, close? SMU, Louisiana Tech. SMU okay. on the road, 13 point favorite. Louisiana Tech's not that good. All I want to talk about, though, is Mordecai, the, the uh, SMU quarterback. I knew he was putting up stats. They Sounds shit. like an anime character. He is an anime character. Uh-huh. Um, but through two games, uh, 628 yards, 11 touchdowns, two picks. They the teams they played suck, um, but mm-hmm. I do love the fact that he's at 11 touchdowns after two games. Uh, SMU historically the last few years has been a team to reckon with. Who's they that score. quarterback? Shane Bouchelle, right from Texas. He's yeah, he's good. he's gone. Uh, Mordecai. I know, I know. Right he's um. He was, did he break camp? I think Shane Bouchelle broke camp. I remember he had a pretty decent preseason. You, I'm gonna look that up. You keep yeah, talking. Uh, I you can't keep remember. talking. You keep talking that game. I'm gonna look um, it up. I like Shane when he was there. But their uh, SMU is, I mean, another AAC team who I absolutely just fucking love to watch. They're exciting. Yeah, um, they throw the ball all over the place. They run those the kind of same ball. teams like Memphis, SMU, that kind of run and shoot offense to kind of Mess, spread the Memphis, ball out, SMU, throw it quick, quick. But that's why I like Coastal Carolina because Coastal Carolina is like spread, but with a wrinkle of a lot of triple option veer. Of course, mm-hmm. I love Coastal Carolina's offense. Every single play, it's like misdirection with motions and still spreading. Uh-huh. Houston, all 53 yards. Love them. Shane Bouchelle uh, made the Kansas City Chiefs. He's on the practice squad. Shane Bouchelle. There we um, go. Good for him. That's hilarious. Um, and then the shout-out I wanted to make really quick. Um, so, obviously, we know about my my seven-game skid last week. Uh-huh. It, it, it turned into eight. Bled, it, bled, yeah, it bled into week three. It turned into eight games. Because um, Ohio State could not, could not mm-hmm. keep it going against Oregon. Even though I said on the pod a week earlier that if I had to take anybody, it would be the points. But Garrett said, "Fuck you, Moose." So keep going. Um. Well, they were part of my parlay. They were. A part, yeah. They just had to win. Yeah. True. True. Um, keep going. So Jackson State. Well, first and foremost. Well, how'd you get you, off the you, Schneid? 
Um, you gave me uh, Michigan, who ran uh-huh. all over Washington. Was Washington can't score. So. Washington can't score. But they, I don't. Michigan had two people over like one fifty. I think it was gross. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Um, Michigan won handily. And then I kind of panicked, and I was like, well, what else is going on? And then out of curiosity, because I knew De- uh, Deion Sanders, head coach of Jackson State, I know his son, Shador, is you know the him personally? quarterback there. Best friends. Okay. Um, but anyway, I was like, I looked at it. You guys they played were, ping pong together. Yeah, they mm-hmm. played Tennessee State last week, won by like 22. They were a three-point favorite. Um, so I'm just going to give them a quick shout-out. I am also – there's no line out for it. But I'm also interested in what the Jackson State UL Monroe line is. Uh, oh. If it's single digits, I might take Jackson State. You think uh, that'll be on TV? A uh, TV, a singular TV somewhere in America. Uh, it's on ESPN three. Oh, there you go. So you have ESPN Plus. There you go. Um, one quick scroll before we get to Jackson Sakizi uh, or Soxie, depends uh, how, when you knew him. It's kind of like Cesus type situation. Um, Baylor's an 18-point favorite out on the road against Kansas. I just love looking at Kansas lines. It's just it's hilarious. Um, like it never gets old, you know what I'm saying? Um, Florida State, six-point dog at Wake Forest. Uh, uh, there's some good games, but what I like right now is there's a game for every slot. You got 9 a.m. You should be locked into Cincinnati, Cincy, mm. Indiana. Oh, there's consistent entertainment. Yeah, around 12.30, you have Alabama, Florida, right when that game gets over. And then 4.30, you got Auburn, Penn State, get you through the weekend, headed to the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, when we get back, we are going to talk to Jackson, J-Baby Soxie, born and raised in Wisconsin, came over here, met him at Notre Dame Prep. Uh, Once he moved here with his family, uh, came there his freshman and sophomore year. We both transferred out as juniors. One of those dudes I still talk to to this day, almost daily, degenerate gambler, 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, insane units has a lot of fun. One of the more fun guys to be around when it comes to watching sports and betting, oh, he's uh, a blast. but he's a cheesehead. He's a diehard cheesehead. We played fantasy with him forever. He's had Aaron Rodgers on his team. I think every single year he said in a quote, I cannot play unless Rodgers is our quarterback. Uh, so that must've hurt last week. So we're going to break down that abysmal performance against new Orleans. A look ahead to when they play what Garrett called the Chernobyl lions and kind of the rest of the NFL schedule in this kind of talk shop. Um, it should be a good one. Um, we'll see if he uh, lives up to the hype that Sean Moran brought last week. So when we get back, I think he will. Jackson's Jackson also, we've we've mentioned Jackson by name like uh-huh. many many both, a times. Both of the last two. Episodes. Yes, he should be on the Moose and Friends uh, poster board. Um, yeah, he's in. He's in. He's in the cannon. Uh huh. He is in the cannon. When we get back, we got Jackson. We'll see you in a minute. And welcome back to the Moose and Friends podcast. We have a special guest on today for the second interview of the NFL season we have Packers fanatic or what I would call an Aaron Rodgers certified lover boy because he loves Drake <laughs> so much it's almost disgusting we have Jackson Soxie on Jackson tough week huh well honestly let's just put something in the air I used to be a huge huge Rodgers stand as you uh, stated but honestly this offseason has really ruined my mental. I'll always root for him, but man, it has been a rough week and a rough offseason. So it's just been piling up from here. I would say that it's definitely been a rough week for sure with the 38-3 thumping to the Saints. But my question to you is this. I was kind of thinking like, okay, what questions am I going to ask my boy Jay Baby when he gets on the podcast? And really I was thinking, is this potentially the worst week ever 
non-playoffs, of course, to come on to any podcast and talk Packers football since, let's say, you graduated into adulthood and you turned 18 to the point where, like, the government was cool sending you to Kabul. Is this the wor- worst worst time to come on to the podcast? This is the worst regular season, regular season Packers loss. Dear God, that's tough to say. This is the worst regular <laughs> season Packers loss in the history, or at least in the last 10 years for you. Um, yeah, I think the last, oh God, I wish I remembered. I don't have the, uh, you know, the exact Scott teams or, you know, not, not Brett yeah. taking the snap. I don't, I don't think the Packers have been blown out like that since like 2012 or something like that. The last thing I can remember, I remember reading through a uh, Packers Twitter and, you know, you, you read through the, you know, the worst times and it's been a while. So for this one, this one was especially bad just because of obviously the performance, but you go from, you have to play the saints at home, the field moves to a neutral field of Jacksonville. You're like, Oh my gosh, you know, this should be a piece of cake. And then you go in there and we don't even, I mean, you could tell nobody didn't play for eight months. I mean, oh, yeah, no one gave a damn. And, and your, your boy, Jameis Squinston was out there. The Squinstmeister throwing TDs left and right every 30 yards. Um, that's in the, that's the worst thing too, is then you get the whole, you know, oh, it's Winston better Rogers, you know, trolling. Uh-huh, is Winston going to the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Is he better than Drew Brees? Today on Twitter, when I was scrolling through before we got on the podcast, I saw somebody say that, you know, Drew, quote unquote, Drew Brees could never do what Jameis Winston did. People forget. Oh. It's so easy. To it's a damn shame. He literally, he, I think, gosh, I wish I remember, he had, I think it was like 70 yards and four scores. At one point, I could not believe the stat line. And uh, that's he, how you know it was embarrassing. And it's whole domination because the Saints are just doing anything offensively in terms of running the football. Is I mean, it was, it was hard to watch. Our front seven was literally non-existent. And we paid Kenny Clark, you know, damn near the supermax for defensive tackles. And the guy's, you know, mm. invisible. So yeah, they, they backed up the Brinks, Brinks truck for him, and they and he didn't do damn Jack Diddley squats. <laughs> right. And that's the other thing, too, is like, you know, when Jameis does throw, I mean, honestly, like I said, he, he didn't look insane at all. I mean, yeah, he was 14 and 20 for 148 yards. But like I said, I mean, there's guys have come in there and thrown for 300 on our defense. So the nice thing or the silver lining was, I think, other than Kevin King, I, I can't believe that guy still has a job, but. <laughs> The secondary doesn't look terrible with Amos and Savage and, and Jair. But the thing I'm worried about is the rookie Stokes out of Georgia. He touched the field like three times. So it's kind of concerning when that guy can't beat out Kevin King. So that's the you, thing I worry uh, about defensively. Are you a big Josh Jackson fan like myself? God, I was a huge fan. It sucks too because that's like the type of guy you watch in college. You're like, oh, that guy is just, you know, knows for the uh-huh, ball. And you're like, like this guy's going to be a five time all pro. Literally, fourth corner. The thing I liked about Josh Jackson, though, is he was a pretty good tackler, which honestly mm. in the NFL is really hard to do. Who actually is one of my favorite players who I actually used to hate was Jalen Ramsey. He's a great tackler, too. Oh, yeah. Great ball player. Great ball player. Yeah. I did never, I never gave him the credit, but that's what I like about Jair is like he flies up to the football and he plays, you know, all phases of the game defensively. So, when you watch Kevin King, who literally gets beat on go routes by literally anyone, whether it's like Scotty it's Miller, job. yeah, whether it's Scotty Miller C. or Quintez Cephas, literally the Wisconsin faithful. Quez Watkins. But, <laughs> so 
I, I don't know. It's that's the rough thing. And then, like I said, you got the whole the Rogers drama. So I've had to hear about that since the draft, which is just annoying in itself. And then he comes out and you know shits the bed too, which it's weird. I've watched Rogers my entire life since 2005, and I've never seen him play like that. But again, to be honest with you, like the week one, I don't like to overreact too much. But I, if you that's ask me, I'm like here is completely overreact. So good for you. Yeah, this podcast too, is about overreacting. Mm-hmm. Knee-jerk reactions. But I, <laughs> but I look at him and I'm like, you know, watching the game, I'm like, is this motherfucker trying to get traded mid-season? That's what I literally think when he's throwing punts on his own goal line <laughs> when we're down 30. I'm like, holy so Washington. shit. Now, what are, the chances, uh, what are the chances of us Jordan Rodgers the whole time under that helmet? That's the thing. With his haircut, I'm not trying to get crazy on here, but he is going through something mentally, man. Like, I can't even – like, I don't know what he's – I don't like it. I don't like it. It's that witch, Shailene Woodley, putting putting ideas in his head. Yep, 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 yep. Preach, Garrett. (laughs) Garrett, preach it now. Garrett, preach it now. But he has the same haircut as Garrett, so what are you trying to say? Well, well, that's why I'm glad he's on. I'm here because I want to find out from him. Like, there's got to be some, you know. Like, that's a that's a lifestyle change when you hit when you go from oh, it's short a hair to long hair. Change. Yeah, but Garrett um, moved per- to California. You Rogers. from professional uh, from professional situations pretty much entirely. Um, so Aaron Rodgers in his surfer phase. I think he retires. He just goes out and catches some waves soon. Because remember, uh, that's, that's elderly people hate Garrett and his haircut. They see him. They say, what happened to the damn youth? They call him a youth when he walks around. Like the mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have some elderly in me when it comes to that. Because, you know, if my quarterback's going to lead a football team, like, you know, don't come to the press conference looking like a bum, man. Like, put a uh-huh. hat on at least. Show mm-hmm. some respect. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Now, is it an issue when you say, you know, um, you can't beat out Kevin King, you only get three snaps on defense, you lose 38-3, don't you think uh, if the coaching staff had any faith in you whatsoever that um, you would get at least some PT in the third or fourth quarter, and if somebody was getting beat like an absolute drum on the outside, you would eventually get in. Uh, What was your boy's (laughs) name? Uh, Kevin King. Eddie Stokes. He's out of Georgia. He's our first-round pick. So are you worried about Eddie Stokes, or you think this is just a just a week one type of deal thing? He's got to yeah. Get well, eased. that's the well, that's the thing. We brought Kevin King back, which a lot of people didn't think we were, just because if everybody remembers, I mean, he, I mean, other than us kind of blowing it, you know, as a team as a whole, but he really sparked the you know mm-hmm. the Buccaneers beating us at home last year. Like, I mean, just inexcusable before halftime. He lets over that. I think it was like 50, 60 yards somewhere in between there. Um, when Brady threw it over his head. So, like, ever since then, we already knew Kevin King was sus. Hence why we would draft a corner in the first round. And in the preseason, he honestly wasn't getting a lot of praise and, and love. You know, he wasn't really doing what they thought. But he wasn't, you know, trash, wasn't terrible. But my thing is I'd rather have a guy who played in the SEC, you know, his career come into the NFL and get him some snaps now, honestly, because it's week one. You can – like obviously that we saw, you can afford a loss or you can afford mistakes early in the season and allow yourself to buckle up. So I'd actually like to say, I would have liked to see him at least in the second half. I mean, in the third quarter, we were down like four scores. And in the NFL, I mean, come on, man, what are we talking about? That's you're done. And especially with the way we were moving the ball, we couldn't even run the football unless AJ Dillon was in. So I don't know. I would have liked to see some stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he looked great. He looked really good. He looked better than on, John. on his four carries. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. Looked, yeah. Um, um, it's, it's, I know we talked about Rogers' hair. Um, 
I mean, Kylie Jordan Love, fresh fade, 22 years Man. old. What do you think about him? Seven, att- seven attempts on Sunday. I, so what um, you saw? When we drafted him, I was so sick to my stomach. I even watched the rest of the draft. I'll admit it. Big football fan. I don't care. I could not watch the rest of the draft when they drafted Jordan Love. Um, watched his tape. I actually like what he does, and I'm trying not to be a hater with him just because, I mean, when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback and then, you know, you look at a guy like Brady who's, you know, 44 or 45 years old and Rodgers is like five or six years behind him. In my eyes, you know, being a Rodgers fan and a Packers fan, like I don't want this guy to ever leave. So don't come in here on draft day and take another quarterback and replace him, Mm. you know. So it was hard for me to get around it just because, you know, you go from Favre to Rodgers, like, I mean, history will tell you, like, there's just no shot you get either of those guys again. So it's really oh, yeah. hard to buy it, buy into that. But to this game, I was like, get this motherfucker in there. I want to see what he can do. Like, I, I, I can't watch Rodgers play. Like, yeah, I'm not even kidding. There's a quote of me saying last Sunday, I wish Rodgers never came back. <laughs> that was literally a quote. Like, I don't want to see that. Like, don't go out sad. Like, if you don't want to be there, don't be there. That's how bad mm-hmm. his performance was. But truthfully, I feel like, you know, he'll be all right. But Jordan Love, I'm, he, he's growing on me. But, you know, it's just – it's hard to really fathom if he's really going to be even remotely close to Hall of Fame level. But Rodgers never made it to, like, 2009 anyway or 2008-ish. So, mm. I don't know. Well, well, I kind of got to give him some time. But at the start, I wasn't a big fan, but he's growing on me. I've kind of come to acceptance that uh, he's going to have to step in there and play some snaps probably next year, unfortunately. Uh, I would say yeah, the first good. step – I think the first step he needs to do, Garrett, is in our fantasy league, change his team name from uh, all caps, fuck, Jordan Love to maybe something else now. Um, no, well, like, what I'm like going to change it, I think. I think I'm going to change it to uh, Jordan Love's backup because I think I have Rodgers in that <laughs> league. And that's so he's playing a lot like QB, too. It's just the first step, I'm saying. The first step to accepting Jordan Love is the Packers' uh, heir apparent. <laughs> it's it's a healthy way too, and like I said, the thing though that I that does give me hope though, Garrett, is the young quarterbacks in and across all of football. I mean, this year in college football, the honestly, draft class is you know kind of mid, but mm. honestly, the past two or three years, QBs are getting better everywhere. Honestly, mm. oh yeah, <laughs> the quality is getting to better. Come in young and be good, all, good all, right away. Right. Whereas before, you had to do the whole Rogers thing where you had to you know, sit behind someone for three, four years, mold yourself, yada, yada. But now you got guys who come in and year one, they're serviceable. And then year two, they take off. Like, honestly, right. Like a good Mm. example, I would say is like Josh Allen. A lot of people, honestly, some people are high on him, but he had a rough kind of rocky start with a lot of questions. And now everyone's like, he was a scumbag POS. I did. I did too, but Wyoming. Well, yeah. And see, that's the other thing. So I can't look at Jordan Love and be like, oh, you know, you came from a, you know, not so. A ship all uh, school. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, not someone you're excited to come from. And, yeah. uh, you know, but that's the thing. I, I root for guys like that. You know, like I said, Rogers didn't come from shit either initially until he went to Cal. So mm-hmm. I don't know. For the whole Jordan Love thing, I've kind of grown to it at this point. And, you know, I, at one point last, you know, two years ago when they drafted Love, I was considering, and when they're doing the whole Rogers drama last year, I was considering retiring as a Packer fan, but it just, mm-hmm. it, it's just even in my yeah. blood. I, I can't. Now, if you, if you did retire as a Packers fan, where would you take your talents to? Oh, that's no, a great I question. Was, I got Jacksonville. 
<laughs> so I have two answers to that. Number one, truthfully, <laughs> the Packers have broke my heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Packers have broke my heart so many times in my life that it would be really nice to be just a football fan. I like rooting for guys like uh, Allen Robinson, great route runner. I like great route football. runner, best route runner in the league. Someone gets it. That's why you're on here. Yeah, like I love watching his tape, so it'd be fun to root for. It sucks because he plays for Chicago, so it's like you don't uh-huh. fuck the Bears. I'm I, absolutely I, I clown. You were gonna say that you you would be a Bears fan. Like, yeah, no, God, I'm, old, though, I'm gonna cheat on you with your brother situation. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> with if, right. If I left Green Bay, I don't think I could choose a team. However, if I did, I would like to. I don't know, probably root for a player or two who I like follow and watch. Um, I really like Justin Jefferson. I lo- like, I'm a big fan of receivers and corners. You're staying in conference. Like- mm-hmm. Well, just because I, I get to see those guys twice a year. So I, li- I like watching them. And I think Justin Jefferson, honestly, will probably be better than Jamar Chase, which I think is probably a hot take. But I, I, I what he take. did year one. Yeah. But he's, dude, he knows how to be a pro like i think like another good pro is like uh like a renfro or a cooper cup like those guys are pros like those guys go down they're supposed to they go out of bounds they they get the sub like they do things that other guys don't i enjoy watching that so right so just savvy football players so i like doing that but honestly if i look back i don't know who i can choose it's just i love green bay but god rogers is making it hard to be a package mm. so i'm not gonna lie like we've you dealt showed- with bullshit for the past couple of years and i'm pretty over it oh yeah you showed uh, you showed some love to a lot of NFC North receivers. Is there anything nice you want to say about the Lions at all? Because yeah, um, you skipped I, over them pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Well, as we, Detroit is literally. I mean, come on, man. Detroit, they have. I think. I, I mean, I don't know if I can say this, but I you think they have one of the worst sports franchises in history. I think if you lined it up across like hockey, baseball, yeah, not baseball, a hot take. That's just a fact. <laughs> I just don't know where – I don't know where it turns around, if ever. <clears throat> they could be a sports anomaly that never wins. I, I'm saying they have the power to do that. No, I, I don't know. I think that's I, why I, I don't see the Lions winning a championship. I'm not even kidding. No, the this ghost is the craziest Sanders thing. Needs to come back. May God rest. Dude, I'm not kidding. 53. I don't think they'll be good until they literally bulldoze their stadium. I think their stadium's <laughs> cursed. There's no way. Rodgers threw a 65-yard Hail Mary that got us into the playoffs years ago um, oh in that building, and I literally don't know how it happened to this Was day. that the, I know uh, we, is that the one you and I watched? It is um, if, when we were, in, uh, we were in Talking Stick. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. We were in Talking Stick. I we want to say this was – It was a Hail Mary. 2016 or 2015. I don't know I if it was that one, but it was a Hail Mary. It was caught by the tight end, 82. Uh, Rogers was it the other Rogers? Oh, I remember that. Game. That was in that was in that was in Detroit. That was a sick game, sick sick game. But I think Poor they do Fox. need to bulldoze their stadium, relocate Give it to Canada. Re-brand. Yeah, the the oh. Canada. What would you change your team name to? Uh, relocate from Detroit, one of the NFL's oldest franchises. Um, maybe a second Miami team, somewhere where the party's at. Uh huh. But you say there's Miami and then there's Miami. There's two uh, Miami. They're the Miami Lions. Uh huh. Yeah, I no, you get it. They couldn't do the most Miami the sharks. Not the, not the gringo Miami shit. No, no, they have to do the Miami Sharks. I think that would. <laughs> I would like have that a sick too. logo. A complete rebrand and, and uh-huh. Jamie Foxx is the head coach. Uh huh. You'd well, have to go shark because you got the Dolphins right across the street, so you uh-huh. kind of have mm-hmm. to go in there and big dick. But As for the Lions, say, I think yeah. my favorite player there was uh, was Kenny Galladay. 
to answer your question, but they got rid of him. So now you're liking these uh, big body receivers, man. Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay. Well, like- Robinson is is special to me because as good as he is, his numbers never reflect. He actually gets pretty much little to no love, I think, across the league. I mean, his whole life. I think people would say Jarvis Landry is better than Robinson, which I don't agree with. No, but I, I think I, that's still I know. I, I think go people would say that though. But I think they will too, because Browns Browns fans are delusional, and people that have followed Jarvis Landry since he's been at LSU are delusional. And correct. Long story short, Jarvis Landry's had some pretty good quarterbacks in his in his days, and Allen Robinson's been stuck with a great Blake Bortles. But after that, I mean, who's he been with? You know, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubisky. It's just no point. Fields in three weeks. Uh, Justin Fields, I, uh, rumor says um, that Jackson wants Andy Dalton to be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears for the next three or four years. He's rooting for that guy. Big red rifle. <laughs> oh, man. And that's the truth because Justin Fields might be legit, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks good. And that's mm-hmm. the first time I can probably say that in that division. Like, for the Packers, like, that's a guy who will probably split games with us every year. Um, and honestly, probably could potentially – you know, make us going to, but the problem is, is the bears as a whole have actually kind of declined. I think they might be like two years away now. I think they found the quarterback, but I don't know. Like but Khalil Mack. The window on their defense now. closed already. I think Fast. It's done. It's done. But my favorite. Mm, like 32. Is Jackson. I think he's one of the last guys on there who like, mm. you know, that you watch and you're like, okay, Khalil Mack to me is, I mean, we just watched what Chandler Jones has done. Like, where, where is where is Khalil Mack? I have not heard of him in three years, and no, I play him no, twice a year. He's on a milk card. He's not, I mean, he's not dominant like he was in no. 20, you know, 18, 19. Uh, I, I, yeah. I bought some uh, oat milk the other day, and I looked at the back, and I was, like, missing Khalil Mack. I was like, oh, no. Um, Trust me, we, we've been looking for him, too. They were sending search parties out last year. They couldn't find him. <laughs> Uh uh-huh, they were co- they were combing the uh, fields out in Chicago trying to find. <laughs> oh my god! They found a ripped up. They're checking under and under every bridge and trailway. Uh huh. They had the they had the dogs out there. Yep. The entire county. They're they're holding hands walking oh, across the, uh, the so candlelight vigil at his church before they even found him. Uh huh. <laughs> and they're making the t-shirts. May Lord rise up. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> but I will say. Things. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, I have a couple things written down here, and we can we can beat the Rogers saga up like a dead horse, but we all know what happened. It's bad. Final, my here. final census on it or consensus is it's not good. I mean, it's uh, it sucked honestly. Like this season feels like a wash, which is terrible to say week one, but I I don't know. It just sucks because you got like Devontae Adams who's in the last year of his deal. Like who knows if he's gonna sign an extension here? He said he won't. And it's kind of I feel like contingent if Rogers stays or goes and Green Bay's the type of place, mm-hmm. it's just hard to keep players. So And he said know, that in his press conference when he first came back, people come to play for me and stuff. But I think honestly, like being gone the whole time, you know, you know the whole locker room was talking, like what's up with right. this? then you say something like that and I get his next sentence was like people want to come play for this team but you did start with an I type of comment there and I just it looks a little weak on his part and then especially to back it up with the week one performance but I will say this last week we had on a Bears fan who was not very optimistic about his team heading into the LA Rams game but he did go out of his way to say Aaron Rodgers is a coward now you know his brother Kevin Sean Moran is the older brother of Kevin what would be your rebuttal to a Bears fan calling Aaron Rodgers a coward? Wow. I mean, honestly, what's just 
call it what it is. I mean, when you right. haven't won the division in how many years because of that guy? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what you're, you're going to say. But yeah, a, a, lion honest, uh, a lion doesn't care about what a sheep says. I think I got that saying completely mm-hmm. and utterly wrong, but you get it. No, yeah. No, yeah. It's, a few uh, of the words, it, right? No, it's. It's, it's close enough. Everybody gets the picture. I think that's accurate. However, um, from a leadership standpoint, you know, people are allowed to uh, talk shit and it's somewhat valid. Now I can say that probably for the first time before they used to just give him shit for whatever. But I think now it's to the point where he actually needs to uh, kind of clean up his act and be a leader and get all that noise out of there and go in mm-hmm. football games. Now, the running back situation, um, A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones? I, I know Garrett kind of made poked fun at the fact that you said A.J. Dillon looked good on his, like, five carries. But Aaron I Jones also had, like, four carries for, like, seven yards. Um, well, do, do you want a running back by script. committee or you want, to, you want to run Aaron Jones to the absolute ground and then throw him to the curb and pay him well, off? See that, well, that's the thing is, honestly, normally I am a guy like that. I think running backs and – I think they basically can, you know, be utilized in any system unless you got a guy like Kamara. I mean, mm-hmm. Kamara, a guy like that is like kind of unique. Christian I mean, even Dalvin Cook. Cook. I watch, I watch Dalvin Cook, and I'm like the balance that he has, like, and the things he does is, you know, obviously unique. Um, and even McCaffrey, like guys like that. However, if you don't have those, you, I, I like the committee. I think Baltimore does a great job of doing stuff like that. AJ Dillon is unique because, I mean, that guy runs downhill, and like in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, in the NFL, you don't really have that. But Aaron Jones is also a hard runner, and he's quick, and he finds creases. So he's a big home run hitter, which, honestly, Green Bay hasn't had a running back like that since, gosh, Amon Green, I swear. I can't even think of somebody who even close reminded me of that. Um, but I like both of them. However, we got a rookie, Kylan Hill, who's a absolute stud. Um, mm-hmm. So, honestly, I don't hey, care what they do, but – yeah, Blake yeah, Suck. correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. He, he is from Anna. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, honestly, I wasn't a big fan of Dylan taking any carries from Jones just because of Jones' production. He was averaging like five and a half yards a carry. Jones was. So I was like, I don't really see why you need Dylan. But then when I watch him play against a big front like New Orleans, he's the only guy getting production. So guys like don't want to tackle a guy like Dylan. Derek the Henry like couldn't pay me. Pounds, you know. No, you could not right. pay me. Well, yeah, like, like so Dylan Dylan's like Henry in the sense that he's huge, but he's also Henry's like six three, six four. So he has like long legs, takes him forever to get going. I feel like Jones or Jones, uh Dylan has so much burst for a guy that's almost 250 pounds. It's insane. Well, that's the thing, too. And when you like say that, you're right, because he hits the whole quick, whereas like, you know, like a great comparison, like to like understand what I'm talking about, like uh, Le'Veon Bell, when you know, used to dick around in the backfield. I kind of thought that, too. Yeah. Dylan goes straight forward. And which I like, because for me, if you're going to run the football on first down or even second down, no negative plays. I mean, any OC, nobody mm-hmm. likes negative plays. So I think Dylan gives you the factor of your for sure yardage. You know what I'm saying? And I think in a game of rhythm like it is offensively i think he's nice to have to do that so i actually mm. like Dylan a lot and i think he'll actually be pretty good he does have the whole mileage thing but honestly i don't care we're gonna get three years out of him anyway and after that we'll go find somebody else so um i wouldn't mind if they used him kind of to the dirt and then took jones and used him for your you know all the other bs that you pull off that they were doing last year because lafleur had a good game plan with with uh jones but I like Dylan. I'm a fan, and I hope he mm-hmm. actually gets a lot of carries. I just hope he doesn't, you know, take 
half of them. I wouldn't mind if they did like a 30-70 split, but he does need touches for sure. Mm. He's a poor man's Andre Williams, who also went to Boston. <laughs> okay, no. I think it's the uh, reverse. <laughs> no, it's Andre Williams. Uh, I will say this too, Jackson, just kind of looking at the um, – I do like A.J. Dillon. I like them both. I mean, no running back needs 100% of the carries anymore anyways. Um, I will say this, though. Yes, the Packers got absolutely curb stomped into oblivion last week. Um, their shit kicked in. I'm sure you, you you want me to stop at this point. But the NFC North as a whole, they all lost. division of football. Yeah. So, football. I mean, you can, you can take some solace in the fact that the Lions uh, lost by eight to a really good Rams team. But still, it's the Lions, like we said. You know, the Lions looked way worse than an eight-point loss. Yes, I mean, but, they but the, the Vikings, as much as you know, you want to kudos to Joe Burrow and what they're doing over there in Cincinnati. They still lost to Cincinnati. Like they're not going to the Super Bowl anytime soon. And then the Bears are the Bears. So uh, even there's time to right the ship. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I I do. I mean, that, this, that's the other thing too is. Which sucks because the NFC North is bad. I mean, like I said, if you look at, I mean, if we want to go week one overreaction, or it might not even be overreaction, but you can all confidently say, even despite the 0 1 losses, all those teams look, you know, piss poor. But the thing with Green Bay is, I, I don't think they're that bad. I think they'll still win probably 11 games, honestly, um, unless Rodgers really is on some fuckery. But I think they'll they'll still win eleven games, and I think honestly the only team they may split with is Chicago. I think they'll they'll sweep everybody else. And the only reason why I say that for Chicago is if you know Fields comes in week mm-hmm. five or six when we play him at the end of the year, you know. But who knows? Who knows what what happens with that? But yeah, I mean, or Dalton throws his tutties. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. He did it once, oh, not in the NFL, not in college, or probably not in high school either. But I'm sure somewhere down the road, even though I just. You know, named pretty much and Pop up. Warner. Yeah, he, yeah, he went he seven for 13 for 122 yards, three scores, no picks. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, probably not. There was a pick and a loss. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I do agree. I think there's there's no point to uh, panic too much if you're a Packers fan, kind of just looking at the situation that's unfolding in the NFC North, uh, given that the Lions are the Lions. Like you said, the Vikings, you should sweep. And the Bears, barring Justin Fields becoming rookie of the year, still – behind a patchwork offensive line you still would think that you if a worst case scenario is split best case scenario is sweet so that's looking good there and then the whole nfc if you were going to say the packers weren't going to win the super bowl just kind of looking around the nfc east is still the nfc beast but for the nfc week whatever you want to say tampa bay la rams san francisco 49ers who do you think maybe outside of tim brady's team do you think can win the super bowl um, I hate to say it, but I do like the Rams just because, again, I've seen Stafford play for 10 years. He can play. Oh, um, yeah. And and like I said, Detroit is literally a hellhole for anyone's career. They literally ended the best receiver that we've ever seen. They're the best running, one of the best so, running backs, too. So we've seen what they can do to people's careers. And quietly, McVeigh and all of them in, in L.A. were loving Stafford like they were Jack like you know they stole him basically in their eyes so I like what they did with that because he's plug and play they come in there and he gives guys a boost and makes that team better I think for sure um and he's got you know pedigree of a you know experience I think he, they honestly could do it and their defense is, is really nice I mean when you have Aaron Donald on there 
that entire front seven is going to respond. And like I said, their secondary is not bad. You got Jalen Ramsey. So they have the thing. So I, I like them. Um, honestly, other than that, that's, that's the thing. Seattle, do you count them out? Who knows? I mean, Russell mm-hmm. Wilson is insane. I mean, that guy has been great every year. I, I can't remember the last, you know, Doesn't four get year that love. he's at. Right. I agree. He's, I hate to say it, but I mean, he's one of the top dogs in the NFL in terms of, of quarterbacks, whether his numbers say it or not. He's a winner. That's just how it is. Um, for San Francisco, I don't, I don't know. They're really good, and Shanahan is insane when it comes to quarterbacks. He could literally win with Garrett behind the center. Andy Dalton. So what's wrong with Garrett? <laughs> well, I think it's I'm just a shot at Garrett, poor kid. Everything. No, I'm just saying People he'll take a guy. With, right he'll now. take a guy yeah. with a high ceiling, and he'll get to that ceiling. Or he'll so take a guy got with the low ceiling. ceiling. I like that. Yeah, turn it around. Yeah. Yeah, he hits the weight room, and, you know, we got a serious quarterback behind mm-hmm. center. And they run the football. A guy – right now in the NFL, if you can run the football – and I know it's, you know, oh, like, you know, run the football, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, you look at Kansas City, they're just going to throw up and down the field. But I think running the football in the NFL in these, you know, these years lately right now are is really, really, really good just because of the way defense in the NFL has changed. I think a lot of guys are getting faster. Um, I don't want to say they're getting, you know, like, weaker or anything, but – I feel like the running game is important in terms of controlling the ball and, you know, kind of beating teams up and whatnot because it's such an offensive game. I think play action and the things that Shanahan does, it's really, really, really hard to defend and scheme against. I think he can, you know what I'm saying, the out-coaching ability with, with that team is is huge. Well, they're already down one running back. back. So we'll see if Elijah Mitchell can stay healthy. If not, it looks like we might get a little uh, Trey Sermon. I don't know what was up with that. Uh, didn't even play week one. Uh, way to waste no, he didn't dress. I don't think no. he dressed. I think he was in street clothes. I think he was wearing yeah. his T-shirt and some skinny jeans. I'm not really sure, but it was a tough scene all around. But let's be honest, it still goes through Tampa. Uh, that that yeah. damn bastard, Tim Brady, is going to play till he's any, 60. Any chance well, the cards pick He looks good. I, you guys know I hate Tim Brady. You guys know it. Mm. I know. That's why I'm calling damn. him Tim just for you. I know. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, but he looked good. And that's another team, too, where – if Tom Brady wasn't on it, I I wouldn't be as mad. But the fact that he's on there, I'm sick. And then I look at that roster, and I cannot even believe it. I cannot believe. Oh, that it's roster. loaded without him. It's loaded without him. They could win with Mike Lennon. I know he's great. He's going to throw for 45 touchdowns and like 5,000 yards in a 17 game schedule. Schedule, but dude, Chris Godwin, AB, Mike Evans, and you go on the defensive side, uh, Davis, White. Hey. No, Bro, they have Antonio Brown, who I don't care what you guys say. He might be one of the best receivers we've ever seen. Yeah, he's proven it. They Tyler. have him playing for food stamps. I don't get how <laughs> he gets away with that. Yes. And then, by the way, on the outside, they have the first receiver ever to have seven 1,000-yard uh, seasons in a row. And then the other guy being Chris Godwin, who we all know would be a number Godwin? one just about anywhere. Bro, and what's not for oh, me, they have Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette. Like, what are we doing? Who let this happen? Roger Goodell, that scumbag has no spine. Absolutely no spine with Roger Goodell. But, Jackson, you got to get off to work here really quick. Um, So, I just got one last question. Garrett might have one last question for you, but I'll say this. Uh, With the Rogers saga going on and all that, and is he going to come back next year? Is this a one-year deal? Would you say the window is closing on this team's championships hopes, or do you think that if Jordan Love is the guy or, you know, or – you know, half of what Aaron Rodgers is in his MVP form that this team can still make a lot of noise next year and the years come. 
You know, that's the thing to answer your question. I think the window is closing probably this year. I think, you know, when they tweeted the whole last dance bullshit, I, I hated that. That's corny as hell. Especially yeah. especially when you have a fifty three man roster, you don't, be you original. don't say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just don't you don't go in there and be like, Oh, by the way, like I'm gonna go all out, but then you know, see you guys uh-huh. later. Yeah, yeah, this time I, I just <clears throat> right i don't like that but um the window is probably done this year i think it's bad for me mentally you know emotionally but if they have a good enough year and you know the packers front office can clean up their act i do believe that rogers and adams could come back i really don't think rogers would to Garrett's point i think I think he's a surfer boy. He's gonna. He did something in Hawaii this year, and who knows? I think the guy wants mm-hmm. to go back. I don't. I don't know. He but, did. Uh, he did what, what's that but, tea that you brew? That's like psychoactive. Herbal tea. <laughs> herbal tea. No, the uh, ayahuasca. He did ayahuasca in the, at the waterfalls of Hawaii and opened his mind. He, was, he just he realized football is not all peyote. Uh-huh. No, he's smoking dick. Trust me, we know. But. <laughs> The thing is, is I think the window does close this year. However, like I said, I, there is a 5% chance in my mind that he could come back if everything squares away. Maybe they land a free agent. But, yeah, I think this is it. I think this really is the last dance, you know, BS that they're talking about. And okay. hopefully he gives the effort for it. I hope he doesn't just, you know, collect his check and say, fuck it. Good man. Uh, Gary, uh, Gary I, I you have, have any last question? one last question, Packers. <clears throat> Despite catastrophe last week. Opening up as eleven point favorites at home versus Detroit. Did they cover that? That's a great. That's a great question. You I was not messing around with teasers. I no eleven. I thought it'd be like five. Wow. Um. Yeah. God, I can't believe I'm saying this. I I don't know if they do. However, I it's a lot of points for an NFL team. But I'll tell you this: if Rodgers is for real. Okay, Rogers. You know, whatever you want to think he is, if he's for real and he's going to try to win a Super Bowl, they will blow Detroit out. If they mm-hmm. do not, we have problems. So if they do not cover Sound that, the alarm bells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. The Detroit's a team we beat on, you know, every year. Not to mention, although Detroit's had its games. I mean, obviously everybody remembers. I mean, Matt Flynn came in there and broke a record on us. So they they can do that, but this is one of those statement games that you know, we better show up and do what we're supposed to, you know, like the line says. So um, I would say, honestly, they probably should and will. I could see them winning by two touchdowns. You know, I could see a, a 35-21 or, you know, mm-hmm. a 35-17 type game. I have to Well, that's all we got from my boy, Jay Axon. Uh, Jay, baby, thanks for joining before work, dude. That's big time. Uh, coming on oh. talking about Packers football. Um, great guest. We're going to get you back on when the Packers play the Bears so we can have you in that uh, – a guy, uh, Aaron Rodgers, the guy who called Aaron Rodgers a coward, Mr. Moran. We're going to have you two kind of uh, duke it <laughs> out. Moran. Packers Bears. But you get on out to work, friend. I uh, love you, buddy. Hey, I love you guys, too. Uh, we got to keep track of this weekend. Big board this weekend. Love Big board. I'll be texting you. The place will be on Twitter, but you always get them first. You know that, man. Hey, hey, hey I know. I got the special insider. Don't tell anyone about that. But, hey, <laughs> go Pack Go, boys. Pack by a million. I like Jordan Love. Hey, I, think, I think I like Jordan Love. Later. <laughs>